let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hello everyone. Welcome to episode 139 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I am your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, we have two things we're going to talk about on the show today. Yep. We went from having know anything to talk about to two things to talk about. (laughs) So the quote-unquote winter battle scroll dropped. It is still technically winter. This this was due, you know, by per GW, this was due in December. Yes. We're actually closer to the spring battle scroll than we are to the winter (laughs) one by a fair margin. So we have that, and then we also have Dawnbringers 4, which is, you know, the the quote-unquote death book for Dawnbringers. We've mm-hmm. got a regiment of renown for each of the Mortarks. Triumph and Treachery is in this book. And then we have a new army of renown built around a new character who you can't take in the army of renown. <laughs> Which is so stupid. So <laughs> I read the uh, rules. I'm going, oh, wait a minute. You yeah. can't use her. Yes, okay. this, is, this isn't necessarily going to be a slag on GW, you know, a couple hours or anything like no, that. But it, it's, uh, I, I do think we have some level set criticism yes. on, on some of it, though. Yes. So, yeah, that's it. Should be a nice full show. Lots of stuff going on. Plenty um, of rules to talk about. Plenty of rules. Lots of stuff in Scriptorium. We got a fair number of drops and pre-orders and things like that. And with that, let's move on to Whispers from the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Brendan, how's your hobby table been doing? Good. So... You know, coming out of Nashville teams, I played two corn lists that were blood letter heavy that I that I really enjoyed. So I started painting some blood letters. Oh, okay. And I painted, I think I'm at 35 blood letters. <laughs> yeah. That's great. 35 <laughs> blood letters right now. Because I, I had bought a, a good-sized corn lot from somebody about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, something like that. Okay. That included, it, it was basically like a bunch of corn demon start collecting boxes and, mm. you know, some heroes and things like that. It was a, this is a great deal. And so I was, you know, just painting because I have corn stuff, but I don't have any of my corn stuff painted. Okay. And, you know, I, I was kind of tooling around with, with a list that I, that I liked. So I'm, I'm painting towards that. Maybe for Bruce guy, maybe I get bored of it, oh, yeah. but it's. It's a nice break from painting my orcs, sure. who are very high focus, very detailed, mm. where the corn stuff for me is just like, I think that whole scheme is, count here, less than 15 paints. Wow. Okay. My, I mean, when and when you think about like my orcs green skin is <laughs> a minimum of seven colors wow. for the green. So it's a so it's a nice break to paint that a little bit, especially since I was waiting for my teammates to send me some some stuff for the Adepticon Orcs teams. So 
right now I'm painting some some goblins to you know to scatter the scenery, mm. and I've got a customized war chanter to paint, and then you know relative to the battle scroll, I gained another sixty free points to use. So I had to oh, yeah. scramble to find you know an ally or a unit that would fit into my list. Otherwise, played play eighty points down in a in a thousand point a player tournament. So. Yeah, so I've got a I've got a goblin shaman to paint. So. Oh, cool, so, excellent. excellent. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I've been working on. Just yeah, you know, painting a lot of corn. You know, not to not to step on your turf, Dan. That's no, no, no. Just uh, just wanted to paint a bunch of bunch of corn demons. Well, speaking of which, I have sidestepped corn, so you're not stepping on anybody's feet. You're good, man. Just go okay, for it. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I got my bloodthirster done. And I think a lot of people have probably seen him at, at Stormcaller Dan on X. I'm posting pictures of my stuff regularly now, as opposed to never, as I <laughs> used to do. So he came out really well. I was very, very happy with the paint scheme. And I really wanted him to be dark, and he is. Even the, the bronze color, I wanted to really tone that down and make it look really dull. And it, it mm-hmm. looks that way. So I'm really happy with him, but... Now that he is done and on the shelf, I have pivoted towards working and focusing on my mystery army now. And I've decided, you know, I have kind of a master list as we talked about earlier, and I'm kind of working towards that. And what I want to do is I want to build and prime that whole list and then give me all those options. So at this point, I have built and primed four heroes, three troop slash battle line units, not to give anything away, I'll, I'll use both words. And then three elite units, which are non-troop battle line. So 10 units I've gotten built in prime, which is great. And I've got more in the hopper. I've got a pile of boxes like next to me, <laughs> next to my workbench. Because one of the things hobby-wise too is I totally reorganized my workspace. And got some little containers and other things and everything is exactly where I need it now. Rather than walking back and forth, you know, we had that closet in the hobby room in the in the office. And I used to think, oh, where are the paints for that? Or where are my dry brush paints? Oh, they're in that little bin. So I'd walk in there. Oh, I want to get the box of that thing. I'd have to walk back into the closet. Everything is exactly where I need it. So it's it's really, really nice. All my brush soap and my handles and all my dry brush paints are actually in one container, like a, a shelf that I can see them all now, where they were in like three different places. And just, it's really been helpful to facilitate regular working because I don't you know and the workspace isn't crowded either it's just Mm -hmm. what I need and so I sit down and take a box off the shelf and just go and it's really nice and and really been enjoying that and then obviously I've been listening to audiobooks and stuff while I've been doing that so that helps as always to be listening to something or doing something else it's so cool how the human mind works, you know, that you can actually paint these little tiny miniature models at the same time you're comprehending a story that you're listening to. It's kind of cool that you can do both things. Anyway, so a lot of work and a lot of activity on my hobby bench. And we'll talk about at the end and Q&A a little bit more about that mystery army thing. So, but very happy with with how that's progressing. Yeah, because again, listeners, even I don't know what the hobby <laughs> army is still. Yeah, there, there are two people besides Brendan who know what this mystery army is. And yeah, we'll talk about that a little later. So pre-orders, well, it's the Descent of Angels to use the title of the 
the first Dark Angels book. It is everything. I mean, there are cards, there are dice. There's actually really nice transfer sheets that come with that. But everything else, characters, you know, troops, there's actually the thing they've actually dropped. It's not a pre-order. They've dropped the Deathwing Assault box, which is sweet, man. That thing's got like 15 Terminators. It's got Belial. It's got some of those little Watcher dudes, you know, the little mystery cowled figures in it. That's all cool. So yeah, it's Dark Angels time. That's exciting for people who do you know, who wanted to play them or wanted a redo of their line. There, I know there's Ravenwing stuff coming. And so, yeah, oh, that's very exciting for them. Other than that, pre-order-wise, we have two kill, t- kill teams that are being pre-ordered. There's a Heroes of the Chapter thing. So, you know, all the kind of command people like Apothecaries and stuff like that. There's a new kind of a dread. It's called a Ballistus dread for Space Marines. And then there's a Flamer Squad. I think it's called the Infernus Squad or something like that. So that's all pre-ordered. Drops. Yeah, gosh, those got pre-ordered. Those got previewed forever ago, I feel like. Gosh, like a month ago and they finally dropped. Yeah, exactly. And then drops, we have Dawnbringers, obviously. And then all the Flesh Eater Quartz stuff in terms of books and all that. In terms of minis, we got the characters. We got uh, more big knights, and we got the Crypt Guard. So those things are all available now on the street as opposed to in a box. Yep, Every, uh, everything tournament legal now. Yep, which is cool. It'll be fun to see what people bring. My local store got in like 10 Usherons or something like that. Like, Because <laughs> I, I went in to, to go yeah. pick up some stuff for our friend Dave because, you know, he doesn't have a, a hobby store like super, super local to him. And, yeah. and you know, like I was like, yeah, like let, I was like, I'll I'll run down to the store, you know, see if it's there, and I'll you know yeah. I'll ship it to you, you know, just sure. send me the money. Yeah, and and I come in, you know, I turn to their new section, and I'm like, okay, well they uh, they got everything, so you know, just uh, <laughs> one of these and two of these and one of these, and <laughs> text them back. I said, hey, good news, you know, you got all your flesh eater court stuff. That's great. Yeah, Here's now, the bill. I, now speaking of that, I did buy a, a Usheron. Just because the model, you know, it's kind of like with sure. the Bloodthirster. It's one of those centerpiece models that I want to paint. So that I did get, and that's that's sitting on a shelf somewhere. So we'll get to that eventually. One one of your storage collection hobby shelves. Yes, exactly. At the move stuff, and I have to I'll have to start a rotation on that thing. It's all full up now. Yeah, because uh, that. That shelf over your shoulder where you leave all your display pieces is, you know, is, is filling up rapidly. <laughs> it's That's... it's getting there, man. Yeah. So, and then we have New Orc character, which is connected to a book. And Pariah Nexus Crusade books. So, the kind of their equivalent of um, Path to Glory kind of stuff. And then there's a Nid model, the, the Psychophage, which is a new, new Nid thing. That's dropping as well so all that stuff coming up one of the things that was interesting was i saw and i'm sure you did too there's more vanguard to spearhead stuff going on i think two more boxes that they they headlined as spearhead now it's kind of fun to i think our prediction is going to come to fruition i just hope that it comes fully to fruition in that we get the combat patrol kind of a game and hopefully that'll be built into fourth ed. So that would be really, really cool if they could put it in there somewhere. That'd be exciting, but it certainly points to that based on, on what they've done and are doing. So very cool. So games played other than Sigmar for you. Vince and I played some old world last weekends. 
you know, in preparation for the old world doubles, trying to learn as many rules as I can and mm. see as many interactions as possible. He played Bretonians versus my ogres, and I got just absolutely rolled. <laughs> I, he, I like. I mean, the I couldn't buy a a leadership test that didn't immediately result in flea. Like oh I, I would have taken <laughs> any other result. Like. <laughs> And like I'm sitting in an aura of leadership nine, so all of my all of my rolls are oh natural my. tens, natural elevens, natural twelves, and I'm like, what the heck, man? Like, this... where are you when I'm playing Sigmar? I... Yeah, and the <laughs> and and like the one time, like there was there was a situation where I caused a huge unit of his to break and flee, and they would have fled off the board. Except for, oh. in this mission, you can't flee off the long battle edges because, like, oh. it's like a, it's like a you're playing in like a, a deep, you know, like like mountain pass kind okay. of thing. Sure. And so they flee into the wall. They rally the next turn oh. and set up to they set up to charge. You know, in the in the turn after, I'm like, oh, I'm like I like this is I was like this is ridiculous. Like I, I absolutely should have forced you to lose you know a a good chunk of your army you know it was like it was like a unit of like 10 like 10 knights with a bsb and like it was a it was a very meaningful amount of points that you know my tyrant on stonehorn could have you know could have left to go deal with a a, a different chunk of his army instead but nope so i'm just glad was, to uh, see that you're getting to play the game that you really enjoyed yeah, that's, that's great. A disastrous outcome for for the ogres, but you know, like that's it happens. That's sure. that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, but yeah. No, that's uh, that's it for me. Haven't really been playing any video games of late. You know, we played a bunch of Commander at Nashville. You know, in the in the oh, evenings, yeah. but no, just a lot of a lot of painting and you know, uh, work. Sure. What about you, Dan? Well, I'm still doing Star Realms, you know, when I get that five minutes or whatever. And the AI is getting really good. It's really kind of pissing me off because <laughs> I used to be able to roll them pretty hard on regularly. And now I'll go in for like a best out of three thing. And, oh, man, it's getting tough. But it's fun. It's still a fun and great game. That's good. And then I've been doing some Beyond Earth, you know, Sib Beyond Earth. And I had an experience that I've never had before. So... I pick four of the AIs that are the most aggressive, right? Okay. And one of them was pretty close to my territories, and I knew that he was going to be very aggressive and come after me early. So I beat back his attack, and then I went to attack his capital, which was pretty close, and he had aircraft. And I'm like, what? You have air power? Like, none of the AIs ever have air power that early in the game. I'm going, oh, God, oh, this is no. going to not be good. So I ended up having literally to back off, add to my attack force that I was going to besiege his capital with, and then wait for... I developed my aircraft. I, I got the technology for that. But then I waited for upgrades for my infantry, my light artillery, and my aircraft. And then I was able to push him through. But man, I felt like, like the Allied armies and the Luftwaffe early in the war, you know, where... The Luftwaffe was just destroying 
the allies on the ground, you know, because they had no way to stop him. And I felt like that because he would just come over and just rake my troops. And I'm going, oh, man, okay. So it was, it was interesting because it was a, a new experience. And then the last thing was I got that D&D thing at you know, my former school going on. Mm -hmm. That's been really nice. Got a group of five people, and we just finished our third session which was really cool. I took them into a mini dungeon, which was only like four or five rooms, but most of them haven't played before. So I thought that was a really good way to do it. And yeah, give, them, give them the experience for what it's like, you know, work them through some puzzles, work them through some traps, you know, do some, do some small exactly, encounters. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the things that was funny, one of them is a fighter and he has in the first three encounters they had with you know, fairly large groups of creatures. He was always the tank. He was always standing there at the end. He wasn't too beat up. Well, this time they ran into some giant centipedes and he got poisoned and he oh, like no. falls over. And every it was hilarious from a DM standpoint because I'm just sitting there and they, like they didn't know what to do. They were just silent, like he's he's gone. I said he's not dead. He's he's just unconscious. And they were like, it doesn't matter. He's we don't. It was just funny. It's been a real good time for me as well as for them, but they really seem to enjoy it. So, so that's all my non-Sigmar stuff. How, have you gotten any Sigmar games in other than when you were, you know, teams and stuff? No, no, not since Nashville teams. No, okay. haven't, all haven't right. played anything. And I probably, probably not going to be playing anything until, until we get to Adepticon mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, do the, do that teams event there. Sure. So, okay. Yeah, so hopefully, one, I can get the, the corn done in time, and then, you know, two, play play a practice game or two to, you know, understand the mechanics, see the angles, that kind of thing. Okay. Well, events, speaking of which, you know, we've got Akon is the other thing, obviously, in March. And between that and our, our big road trip in April, I just don't know if I'm going to have any other time, you know, to play, yeah. uh, to get ready for that. But that's fine. Bruce Guy is coming up for you still, right? Yep. And that's early May? When is that? April 20th. Oh, okay, so middle of April. Okay, awesome. Now, you mentioned something about Old World Doubles. Mm-hmm. Where or when is that? That's Adepticon. That's, oh, that's right, okay. Event. Right, okay, got it. Never mind. Yep, got it, got it. Okay, and then we have Spring Rubicon, which is first weekend in May still. Uh, the BOD Con, which I'm going to go to in July. And then... I had talked last time, we were talking about our calendars for the year, about maybe getting to Gateway Open this year, finally. You know, because mm -hmm. no RVing in August. And then I was gently reminded by my lovely wife that that's the same weekend as Irish Fest. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> God, no wonder I haven't gone to that. <laughs> so no Gateway Open for Dan this year. But that's fine. It's all good. But... <laughs> I had to kind of chuckle and go, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. So excited to go to something. Yeah, that, that tradition's kind of important for yeah, you guys. it really is. Yeah, and it's only a few weeks out before St. Patty's Day, which is really cool. We went to a lovely uh, kind of a pre-St. Patty's Day event at the Irish Cultural Center here in Milwaukee. And it was like a two-hour concert. There was two groups that were there. And it was That's just, cool. that was really, really cool. One was much more traditional and then there was a group of three young guys who were much more, if anybody knows uh, Red Hot Chili Pipers, uh, they're a big band that shows up 
every year for Irish Fest. And it was kind of like that without the pipes. But they were, it wasn't a huge thing. I mean, there was maybe 150 people there. It was big enough, that kind of a room. And they were just pounding me. <laughs> and after like the first half hour, Cindy and I were going, man, is your head hurt? <laughs> <laughs> it was, but it was fun, and we had a good time. It's a good warm-up, like I said. That's it, then. And we will move on to the, quote, Winter Battle Scroll and Dombriggers 4. <laughs> Man, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Okay, listeners, it is time to talk about the Winter Battle Scroll. Yeah, quote, quote, unquote, Winter Battle Scroll. <laughs> yes. To their credit, GW came out and said, yes, we know it's late. We get it. It's two months late. Their rationale was, you know, we want to roll LVO results into it and that kind of thing. Whatever. doesn't matter. It's here. You know, the first part, obviously, is rules stuff. And I think more of this, Brendan, it looks to me like it's, it's more just reiterating things that we already know, like unicoherency. Well, yeah, so... So everything in pink is what's new. So right, right. remember, it's a it's quote unquote living documents. So sure. Anything that's a change is going to be in here. Anything that's new is going to be in pink. Right. And this is like the compiled version of it because individual documents have been updated as well with the changes. So like mm-hmm. if there was a change to Night Haunt, which there was, you can go to the Night Haunt errata FAQ and the Night Haunt specific rules documentation changes are in in that as well so right it's always worth checking your document to see if it was updated for anything that wasn't explicitly included in the battle scroll Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's how it works yeah mm -hmm. i mean the first real change is under general's handbook and there's some core battalion battle tactics battle plan stuff in terms of victory point scoring for battle plans and specifically power flux there's a change here to how it's scored battle tactics there you're adding a battle tactic it says drain their power that was this one's kind of cool actually it's it's a really useful one for armies that don't have wizards and it's actually incentivizing you to you know if you're between running no wizard and taking a wizard Mm -hmm. as you know as an army like corn or fire slayers who don't have wizards naturally in their armies could potentially look to do you would you get your your little null stone enchantments, you know that that you get for free, for not having a wizard. Mm-hmm. It gives you an opportunity to actually take that benefit because folks, if you'll remember back to when this general's handbook came out, our conversation with Tyler, I think we were all pretty much in alignment that the rules you get for not taking a wizard do not no. compete remotely with what you what you do get for having a wizard, and this is. A way of offsetting that a little bit, you know, maybe too little, too late, but you know something it's is there. something's better than nothing. So what this battle tactic is is if you have a hero at with a nullstone adornment contesting an objective that was controlled by your opponent at the start of your turn, mm-hmm. you score that tactic. So you don't have to control it; you just have to contest it with that yep. hero with with the adornment, and that's you know that's fine. But I think in line with the new battle tactics they've been giving everybody mm-hmm. they're they're just free to <laughs> yeah. like honestly almost to the point where you're better off almost just saying if your army is this score a battle tactic for free because some of these some of these new ones are try and find the right words for it without being too mean you know that they're almost insulting as to as mm-hmm. to how as to how easy they are and it's not solving the problem with battle tactics that we have yeah. You're basically just saying this is going to be free, and this is how we offset your win rate. 
So just start, just start that army off with like a handicap in terms of you know like like golf score. Yeah, you know you're you're a you're a two battle tactic handicap. You're a grand strategy handicap army. Like don't worry about scoring it. You get it for free. Right. Because that's that's effectively what it is at this point, and and the way that they choose to try and solve this problem, you know, it, it's a non-solution solution. Okay. And, you know, it, it it's getting a little frustrating. So the other thing under the handbook is if you take the uh, Wizard Finders, the Magic Hunters core battalion, it basically gives units in that battalion a five-up spell ignore is what it does. In, so, in addition to, right. to what they did before. Right. So that's cool. That's fine. Uh-oh. I like that. It's it's incentivizing use of something that was seeing little to no play. And, you know, it it's, try, it's trying to make a meaningful change within the context of what you want the season to be. I think it's interesting. I don't know that it's good, but it is it is at least forcing you to maybe consider it. And that's I think that's all you can really ask for with mm-hmm. something like that. Okay. Now, I have a question. So we're going to move on then to the Grand Alliance. We're going to get ones for that changes. And we're going to start with Chaos. Now, the first one is for Blades of Corn. I think it's really interesting because of a tendency that you see with some corn arm. You don't see a lot of this, but you do see it where they take wizards. You know, to enhance their, uh, give them some magic capability. So the yeah, you you commonly see Thedra or Bellacor yep. as the as the ones who are taken, both for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And Thedra shows up a lot in some more competitive corn lists nowadays. Now, um, pre, so, pre-battle scroll. Obviously. So I think this is a great change. So add the following to this: hatred of sorcery is what it's called. Each time a friendly unit. <laughs> So that would be one of the ones you ally, wizards you ally in. Cast a spell. You have to roll a die on, on a five up. That spell is automatically unbound. Fine. I think that's great. If you're taking a corn army and you take wizards, there should be some kind of a cost to doing it. I mean, it makes sense. Now, my question was, and I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you. Okay. Is, so this is hatred of sorcery. Now, in the corn book, you can make that better with Blood Tithe. You can make it a four up or a three up or whatever. That doesn't affect this. Correct. Okay. This is separate I, for just yeah. those wizard units that you attach to your army. Specifically what hatred of sorcery is. So I, I'm actually going to change my answer here. I, I do think that it would that it would change this dice so base what it is, Hatred of Sorcery, the, the whole new rule is, each time a friendly Blades of Corn unit is affected by a spell cast by an enemy unit or the abilities of an endless spell summoned by an enemy unit, make a Hatred of Sorcery roll. By rolling a dice on a 5-up, ignore the effects of that spell or endless spell's ability on that unit, you receive one blood tithe. So that's the original part mm-hmm. of it. You then add, each time a friendly unit casts a spell, you must roll a dice on a 5-up, that spell is automatically unbound. Mm-hmm. And then that, what you're talking about, is the rising hatred. Add one to hatred of sorcery rolls until the end of the battle. So since this has been added to the hatred of sorcery paragraph in the battle tome, and Blood Tithe says you can add one, it should affect anything that you roll within hatred of sorcery, including this. So so I, fully reading this, I'm going to change back to my original answer of no, I don't <laughs> okay. think it impacts this roll. Okay. Because it's stating that a hatred of sorcery role is specifically when an enemy unit or the abilities of an endless spe- of an endless spell summoned by an enemy unit, you make a hatred of sorcery role by rolling a dice. Okay. And so that triggers off of enemy rolls. And right, so hatred of sorcery rolls specifically are 
when a Blades of Corn unit is affected by a spell cast by an enemy unit, which this is not, okay. or the abilities of an endless spell summoned by an enemy unit, which this is not, make right. a hatred of sorcery roll by rolling a dice. Okay. This is that... add the following. Each time a friendly unit casts a spell, you must roll a dice on a five-up. That spell is automatically unbound. Okay. If they included that into being a sorcery, a hatred of sorcery roll, then yes, rising hatred would improve your chances of unbinding your own spell. <laughs> And I suppose you could modify that language to make that the case. Okay. But, you know, jumping, jumping the gun on, you know, overall thoughts on the battle scroll, I think this is the last one we see for the edition. Right. So I, okay. I don't think you're going to see anything change that. So I would say, based on that rule reading, I don't believe that, it, that okay. improving the odds against it means that it improves your ability to turn off your own spells. And the reason I ask is because I can see a lot of people trying to game that a little bit, mm. you know? So, okay, cool. Yeah. It, it also, so that unbind also does not generate you blood tithe because it is not that hatred of sorcery role part of it, where it talks about that specific interaction. Right. This okay. is, this is an additional sentence and maybe the intent is different, but it is worded specifically in a way where it does not have that interaction. Okay. Then the next thing we go to is a Nurgle, and it, in particular, applies uh, to I'm the... I'm a big fan of this change. Hated that rule before. <laughs> so it applies to the Bile Piper. The, you're supposed to change... And it, the names are just awesome. So you're supposed to change, my love is like a ripe, ripe fart, too. Instead, and I know the rule before was you can't pile in, correct? That uh, was you, what you it prevented. You can't pile in closer right. than, than what you were... Right. You know, so it, like there were ways around it by like making six inch pylons and things right. like that, but yes. So this is in lieu of that. So instead of preventing pylons, you subtract one from hit rolls for attacks that target friendly Nurgle units wholly within 14 inches of a friendly Biopiper playing this tune. So, you know, that it's, it's a good change, but it's still really strong. I mean, I think about, you know, like Dryads having that minus one to hit. That's really powerful. That makes them a very different unit. And if you're talking about Nurgle, where they already have a five-up ward, and now they're minus one to hit, that's good. Still strong. There's yep. nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. All right. So we're going to... And this is something that we've seen... We're going to see throughout. It's very ubiquitous in this particular document, where we're going to see increases to the range of melee weapons. So this is Beast of Chaos. So Gores and Zangors get their weapons increased to two-inch range. Great. I mean, that's good for them. And, you know, yeah. hopefully we'll see more of that because, yeah. It, it was basically, this is units that were one-inch range before. And in the last two handbooks, you had methods of making them effectively two-inch range. You know, I think is the the bonds of friendship, I think, was the rule that... A lot of us, a lot of us called it, but basically, if you were within half of an inch of a unit that was within half of an inch, okay, you know the sure. the old the the 40k combat coherency right. rule, you got to fight regardless of what your weapon range was, making something that was on 32s able to fight in two ranks. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things that were on 32s are you're going to see are are going to be two-inch range here yep. as we as we go through this document. So good for them. And then Skaven, we have a battle tactic in it. It's basically, you complete this battle tactic at the end of the turn if two or more friendly Skaven units retreated this turn. Oh, that's that's tough. That's a tough one. Yeah, it, it made one of their easy <laughs> tactics even easier. So yeah, exactly. Fantastic. 
Yeah, so if you if you jumped to the points right away and you saw Plague Monks went up 90 points or whatever it was, and you were like, what on hey, earth? You're screeching uh, like a skaven, yeah. Yeah, it's it's because they doubled the unit size. You know, uh, pretty clearly the intent on that is to, you know, skaven are supposed to be able to run a, a ton of models mm-hmm. so that you can do that without eating up your reinforcement points. Sure. Okay, then Slaves to Darkness. We oh. have. <laughs> a, rule, a rule change I absolutely could have used at Nashville. <laughs> this is Demon Prince, right? We're going to change the attack characteristics of the Demonic Axe and the Hellforged Sword to 7, and then change the attack's characteristic of Malefic Talons to 12. Holy mother. Wow, that's a lot. It is a lot. Oh, but it, it was okay. five and eight, and that demon prince never did anything. So, well, there we go. Hopefully. <laughs> and then for Zinch, of course, since they have Zangors, they get that two inch range for their melee weapon. And then there is, it looks like there's a change to the horrors, right? Yep. In that you can take blues and brims as battle line now. Yep. As, right? as long as they are all blues or all brims. Brims, yeah. This is an interesting choice. I don't know. I I don't know if this helps Zinch and what the, and like what their current problems are mm. in terms of competitiveness for you know the the overall meta. Obviously, you have a couple of very strong players playing it and doing very well with it. Mm-hmm. But for we'll call it the quote unquote average Zinch player, I'm not sure that that solves your problems. Okay, fair. Let's move over to order then. We have one small change under Stormcast, so the Vanquishers now have a two-inch range to yep. their great swords. Cool, that's great. And then once you talk about the Seraphon and the city's changes. Wow. So the Seraphon changes are necessary, but I think solve basically no problem. <laughs> so the first is the Starborn Command Traits, Lord of Celestial Resonance. So what it was was you would put it on your Slan. And every time your Salon cast a spell or unbound a spell or dispelled an endless spell, you got two Celestial Summoning Points every time you did it. Now you get two the first time each phase that you do mm. either of, of those uh, you know three actions, you get two instead of one. So it slows your engine down a little bit, but honestly not by much, which is frustrating because, okay. you know, it... For those lists, it doesn't take very much to get 10 skinks out to throw down a screen to just kind of gum up the works again. And the next turn, you're going to get 10 points again, and you're going you're gonna to keep holding on to some of them. Now, it makes it less likely to summon a unit of skinks and also be able to chuck down a cleanse the realms to do a bunch of damage to you know basically everything on the board. So you'll, you'll do one or the other, and that's fine. You don't, you don't need both to be successful anyways. It's still... Painful. Okay. Croxagore and the and the Croxagore War Spawn going up to five wounds is a big deal, right? They count as two on objectives. Mm-hmm. Maybe helps them in their race to the bottom in terms of how many points they are, because if anyone remembers our Seraphon show, yes. I read those war scrolls and I went, I don't know what you do with these. These don't seem to do anything. <laughs> so a Maybe. creative solution. I, I think that is that is a bit uh, in the direction of of helpful. Then the Cities of Sigmar change. The Alchemite Warforger continues to curtail, or, you know, the, the <laughs> linchpinness of it is being removed. Yeah. You change the Blazing Weapons spell. So you change the last sentence to, while a unit has Blazing Weapons, each unmodified hit roll of six for an attack made by that unit with a melee weapon causes one mortal wound to the target in addition to any damage it inflicts. No longer is the Fusilier spam, you know, block of 70 
shooting from 34 inches away doing right yeah so it it's meant to turn off the shooting damage and and that's fine it probably means that fusiliers are maybe a touch expensive now and i'd say they'd see their points drops but again i don't think we're going to see a battle scroll between here and fourth so sure that makes sense all right, let's move on to Ideneth. And the first one affects the Bloodthirsty Shiver rule, and that's for the sharks, right? Yep. Okay, so instead of exploding sixes, we have auto wounds for on sixes, correct? That's yep. the primary change there. It's fine. Mo- mostly to curtail the, the shooting nonsense. You know, yeah. it was, it's a bunch of shots per shark. You ran 11 sharks or more than 11 <laughs> sharks. Yeah. Sure. You know, at, at that point, you're solving problems with volume. You're going to roll a handful of sixes. They're going to explode, and you know you you keep mm-hmm. going from there. So auto auto wounds is a nice fix. Sure. And then once you talk about the eidolon change, so this is how it should have been ruled from the beginning, and I don't know why it took us so long to get here. Eidolon of math mathline aspect of the sea, the tsunami of terror. So this is the spell it has. So now it says if cast, pick up to three enemy units within range invisible to the caster. Subtract one from save rolls for attacks made with melee weapons that target that unit until your next hero phase. It used to say pick up to three units, and there was an FAQ that said that you could pick the same unit multiple times, <laughs> which was used by Bone Splitters quite effect. That ruling was used by Bone Splitters quite effectively to pre-move, you know, just a handful of their army, you know, three inches away mm-hmm. from your army mm-hmm. at the start of the game. It took a long time, but finally reason prevailed, so here we are, I guess. Okay, so essentially you pick three separate units, is that what you're saying? Up to three separate units, Right, it's, yes. not, it's not additive, or it's not cumulative on one unit is yeah, the change. Can, All right. You can no longer do that. Okay, and then Fire Slayers, once again, we have two units that are getting the two-inch reach. We have the Berserkers with... Sling shields, and we have the berserkers with hand axes, but two-inch range for their melee attacks, which is a great. Good. good, a good and welcome change for that. Unit. Wonderful, wonderful thing. Going on to death, this is all two-inch range increases. So we have it for the blade guys, the dread scythes, and the glaive race all have two-inch range now, which yeah. is wonderful oh, for oh, them. Those great, those glaive race, the scourge of of warhammer. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> But yeah, especially for the Revenants, that that is a long, long overdue change, I think. All right, well, yeah. talk to us about the Null Myriad change in uh, Bone Reapers. So what is intended to be a nerf, I actually think is a buff. Um, <laughs> Null Myriad before was you had to be wholly within nine inches of Arcan or Amortizen to gain the benefit of Null Myriad. Mm-hmm. And that was a two-up spell ignore, endless spell ability ignore from your opponent's spells and endless spells. Right. It's now a four up and you say, oh, Brendan, it's obviously worse. And you're right. From a dice roll perspective, it is worse. But now there's no bubble. Like Mm -hmm. your army just always has a four up regardless of where it is, which means if you're going to play no myriad, the things you have to be worried about change. And Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about staying in a bubble. And you can send some of these units off on their own to to be at risk without exposing your careful heroes and you don't even necessarily have to take you know some of the you know some of the mortisons that you were going to consider taking before because guess what you don't need them mm-hmm. they just do their thing yep that's great cool table wide all right and then the last tactic in the realm of the dead is we have yeah. a battle tactics change 
this is for Soul Blight. It's the Grasping Dead. You're changing that one to pick one friendly summonable unit within three inches of any enemy units. You complete this tactic if any mo enemy model was slain by the friendly unit that turn, and that friendly unit is within three inches of any enemy units at the end of the turn. Okay. Yep. yep. So I'm the change there is that they changed it so you you have to kill something where as long as you're being smart about the units that you're using and when you're and what you're picking for this tactic mm -hmm. that's a piece of cake like I, d I don't know that this solves the problem of the battle tactics being easy for soul blight grave lords yeah. relative to the units that you are being encouraged to take it's just another condition which means that technically yes it will fail more but also the condition for which it's failing a a good player is not going to fail that condition outside mm. of some incredibly aberrant dice rolls sure so i again my frustration with battle tactics and the way they want to solve these are something yeah all right let's move on to destruction and why don't you talk about the war clan stuff since you're going to be a war clans guy in a few weeks in a few weeks, yes. So the two new ones that we got at some point with the Battle Scroll, I want to say it was back in, like, September. They added that each of those tactics can only be completed if your general is the appropriate keywords. There's a Cruel mm -hmm. Boys one and an Iron Jaws one. Okay. This is meant to curtail the scoring ability for Big Wah. You know, it doesn't change it for Iron Jaws or Cruel Boys armies individually. It doesn't change it for, you know, if your army had no Cruel Boys or no Iron Jaws in your Big Wah. And, you know, your general was whatever whatever okay. the right keyword was. It doesn't change it for you in those cases. But it, it basically reduces the number of battle tactics that are eligible to your army by by one for most big WA armies. It, it's a fine change. It doesn't make them any harder or any easier to score. It's a limiter because, you know, I guess they felt big WA were scoring too many tactics for free. <laughs> okay. See, see above handicap scoring mechanism. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry to be so negative. Like, no, it, I'm it's so frustrated with this. Like, it's mm -hmm. it's late, and the solutions feel yeah. inadequate in in many cases. Like, I think sure. the corn solution was great because your alternative is you can't bring wizards, which would have been mm -hmm. fine. I would have understood that, but instead they they provide a risk reward mm -hmm. analysis component to that selection, which I sure. think you know says to the player base, "Hey, you accept what level of risk you're comfortable with." Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, we're going to add an incentive for not bringing that wizard, you know, so you do mm -hmm. take a, a Nullstone Adornment. What do you think about that? How, you know, how do you change the math there? That's really cool. That's mm -hmm. really smart. That's really clever. I think that some of the rest of it is not. So next up are the, the Maw Grunters, and they're mm -hmm. changing the rule to probably what it should have been from the beginning. Yep. So the Unstoppable Momentum, it, now you reduce your momentum at the end of the battle round as opposed to the end of the player turn, which mm -hmm. keeps, helps keep your momentum score high, which is great. There's still counterplay, right? Because if you can stay tied up with the, the big pigs, their momentum is going to degrade over time and over the course of the game, making them easier to deal with as an opponent. And as the player, you're incentivized to get them free in your opponent's turn so that you can charge in and generate more momentum and, and kind of keep that engine going. I, okay. It's it's good play, counterplay. It's it's what it should have been from the beginning. Now, let's move on to the one for Giants. I want you to, to simplify this one for me because there's a lot of words and a lot of numbers here. It's called Wrath of Titans. And basically, it says replace the first sentence in Wrath of Titans, Earth-Shaking Roar, with this rule. Yep. So we'll read this new rule all together. Okay, yeah. So pick one enemy unit within three inches of this model and roll a dice. Cool. Easy enough. You have to do this with a Mega Gargant. You're, it's obviously a monstrous action. 
Fine. Yes. Mm-hmm. On a 3+, plus, that unit cannot issue or receive orders in the following combat phase. Boy, that seems really weird. We're going to circle back to that. In addition, if the first roll was successful and that enemy unit has a wounds characteristic of 1 or 2, roll 2d6. Okay, fine. You know, it's going to be basically a bravery check. If that roll is higher than that unit's bravery characteristic, there we go. For each point by which that roll exceeds the unit's bravery characteristic, one model in that unit flees. Fine. Mm-hmm. That unit's commanding player decides which models flee. Also fine. The effect of this monstrous rampage is not considered to be a battle shock test. Also fine. Those models do count as slain, though, for the purpose of when you do get over to battle shock. But I believe it's that second sentence, or that third, yeah, that second sentence. Mm-hmm. That unit cannot issue or receive orders in the following combat phase. The only thing that is referred to as an order is in the Cities of Sigmar book. Mm-hmm. Commands are not orders. Mm-hmm. Their commands, orders are orders. So this is some very unique anti-cities <laughs> tech. Okay, I suppose is is what you is what you would call it. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons I wanted you to to break this down because that's when you read this, it's not obvious. I think a lot of people, including myself, when I read that, it was basically it affected commands. That's what I was reading at first. Right, because that's that's what it feels like. Yes. it's supposed to be. Yeah. But it's not. It's the, you know, and so so that's talking about. So, what the rule was before was you didn't have anything about specifically the issuing or receiving orders. It was, it was basically just that bravery test, mm-hmm. which, you know, is, is not, is a bravery test slash not a bravery test, battle check test. This is specifically as worded anti cities tech. The, mm-hmm. the concept of mm-hmm. issuing or receiving orders is completely foreign to literally every other army in the game. I'm not super sure why. Maybe I haven't wrapped my head around the, you know, the business case for, you know, why giants need to be able to stop orders, but it's, here here we are, I guess. Sure. Yeah, that's I mean that's fair. that's my two cents on that particular bit there. Okay. Um, confusion, I think is the <laughs> right. I think is the right word. So the last thing we have is points here. And I mean there are a few things that I just wanted to comment on that I I thought was interesting. One of the things that I liked seeing was even though they're not major cumulatively i think they could be significant under fire slayers got reductions across the board almost and i think that's really nice i really really like that for them yeah just overall it's that's a good thing and the other thing that really popped out well there's a couple other things but one of the things that popped out was nagash going down by 105 points man it's like the first thing i did when i saw that was i looked over to my shelf and go Hey, buddy, you might get a dusting off here. That's like that's huge. One hundred and five well, points. He's down to he's down to eight sixty from yeah. nine hundred. He went down. He went down forty. Oh, okay, because it says one hundred and five. He's down one hundred and five because he was wasn't he nine sixty five? A long time ago, yes. Okay, because right? it's so, got him at minus one hundred and five here. That's why I was saying that. What column are you looking at? I'm looking at. Oh, it's under flesh eaters. Yeah, he's he's down eight sixty. Night Night Haunt previously had him at you know. 900. Mm-hmm. Bone Reapers had him at 900. Mm-hmm. And I imagine Soul Blight had him at 900, 900 as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And he's down. Yeah. You say that I look at Soul Blight, he's down 40. I didn't look at the other ones, but that one was, was big. The other thing that I thought was fun is that 
the war song under Sylvaneth went down 30 points. Oh, welcome change. Oh, boy. That is so nice. So, so nice. He's down to 270, which is really cool. My little Glade, glade Worm is down to 30 now. I mean, geez, if I have 40 points left over 50 points, I may just throw him in there. Race, he, race he, to the bottom on that end. Yeah, ex- exactly. But still, I, I thought that was fun that they took the, the points down. So those are the big things that, I mean, popped out to me right away that I was was noticing how about you the royal zombie dragon and the terrorgeist coming down for both soul black grave lords and flesh eater courts terrorgeist mm-hmm. to 230 zombie dragon to 250 mm-hmm. and in the flesh eater court courts book those those points drops were steeper they they end up in the same place sure you're dropping 55 points on the terrorgeist and 70 points on the zombie dragon flesh eater courts mm-hmm. i think that opens up gristle gore quite a bit more mm-hmm. you know they they finally took the hint and dropped the the crypt gas courtier down some points and now the things that it's competing with the value that it provides is that it is cheaper. Whereas, you know, when we were talking about the Flesh Eater Courts book, the things that it was competing with before, it was the same points cost. Yes. And it did less. So, you know, that's that's nice. Right. Uh, to your point, the Fire Slayers getting a ton of points drops was super welcome. Giants got some points drops in ways and places that actually allow you to run some more of, like, the smaller man crushers mm. and pair them with, some more of the big guys so it changes up what you would see in probably some giant lists which okay. which is nice you know some things grabbing some points increases would be as you would expect from performances being particularly good right carriage on overlords basically everything that you'd want to take went up 10 points for everything sure yeah, and maybe yeah. it squeezes another unit out of what you're taking the war clan saw some some nice points drops yes and like i said earlier in the show Enough for me to bring another unit, but not enough for me to bring one of the units that I had painted and wanted to bring. I guess I guess here we are. Uh, Heat Knight's getting some drops on things that are demons. Ogre's getting some drops on some things that you weren't seeing maybe taking a bunch. Mm-hmm. But overall, like I mean, it's fine. I don't think it moves the, the needle very much on anything in particular. I mean, Seraphon saw points increases to the things that were a problem, but points decreases on things that weren't being taken. And, you know, I'm sure that'll create some lists that show up in a different way, but I don't think it remotely solves the problem of what you are seeing with the kinds of lists that are out there in Starborn, Fangs of Sotek, that are just so frustrating to play against. Okay, sure. And of course, Plague Monks went up 90 points, but that's because the unit size literally doubled, so no one one freak out. It's it's (laughs) It's okay. Totally, totally reasonable change. Okay, fair. I, that's it then. Any other comments? I think that was it. Battle Boy, I, I really hope that with 4th edition they they get their hands around some of this stuff and and decide what it is that they're going to do because at this point it feels like they're trying to slap band-aids on and hope that we don't notice what the problem is and that it's not actually solving the problem. You know, you know, it's it's just it's just creating a a different set of issues. My big wish list item and we talked about this on a previous show, though, is that they come up with some other kind of secondary system. Yep. You know, and and I think they have a model for it in our friends at 40K. They have a really nice model with how that works and their card sets and stuff. And it would it would be cool to see it. Not that we're going to, but it would possibly solve or at least make it more fun and make it more equitable uh, in in that part of the game. So moving on then, I'm going to take a short break and then dive right back into Dawnbringers. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon. 
and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. Listeners, we're back, and we're going to be talking about Dawnbringers 4. And this is the Mad King Rises. Ushran is on the cover. He's amazing. He's awesome. I just had a couple of quick thoughts, because we're not really going to cover the lore very much. First of all, I think the lore is worth looking at if you pick up this book. It's very interesting how they kind of roll all of the different death factions into the lore piece of this. That was very, very cool. The one thing that got a little exhausting, though, as I'm reading through this, is the whole fanaticism of the Donners and Zenestra and stuff. It just got kind of old. Like, they come up against this totally insurmountable problem, whatever it is, or opponent, and all of a sudden it's just like, let's just be fanatic, it'll be okay, and they beat them. You know, it, it was kind of like this little trope, you know, every single time, even in the last thing, you know, it's like, it's our last gasp. We're going to throw everything at it. Everything's going to go at it. And okay, everything's fine. Move on. It worked. Hooray. <laughs> it was just, okay, fine. The, You're unbeatable. You're unstoppable. Cool. Nice. Wonderful. I'm happy for you. But it was interesting. And next. <laughs> yeah, and next, right. But again, rolling all the different death factions in was was really cool and i and i very much like that part of it brenda you had i think a thought on yeah so one of the things that they have included in this book is a format called triumph and treachery and this is a format that originally came out in warhammer fantasy battles and like it actually had its own book it was really cool. And they've trotted out Triumph and Treachery in, in some way, shape, or forms in a couple of different like handbooks and things like that. And mm-hmm. I will tell you, this is one of my favorite ways to play Warhammer. Mm-hmm. Codifying it into into rules and structures, I think I think always really helps because sometimes you'll get into like these multiplayer games, you know, where it's a mm. I, I call it like a four for all. Okay, sure. And you know, it's just it's just the four of you playing your game and you know it goes around and and you're just playing a game of Angel Sigmar, and you know you're you're making deals or whatever. And oftentimes those games end up with a, with some feels bads where <laughs> where where someone has done something particularly treacherous, and there's really nothing anyone can do about it. There's a mechanic in here with ploys. You basically get um, tons and tons and tons of points. You can trade your your in-game currency for you know people choosing maybe to do something maybe not i think they've put together some really cool mechanics that aid the triumph and treachery format i i think it's great i think it's worth playing if you and some of your friends have you know not aren't really sure what to do with you know your next your next club day personally mm-hmm. i would highly recommend cracking open the triumph and treachery section reading through it you know playing some of these missions cuz they do give you some really funky kind of more narrative missions and some funky mm-hmm. deployments that go with it. I, I think there's some really cool stuff that you that you can do with that and and will lead for it, just a, a good time had by all. Okay. And, you know, maybe some treachery had by some. Okay, cool. That's great. Thank you for that. Yeah. And it's under it's under Triumph and Tragedy, but it's called Conquest Unbound is the section of the book. So if you're looking for that, it, it's it is very interesting stuff. So Sure, I'll, cool. I'll call it by its real name, like Twitter. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. <laughs> so let's talk first of all about the new character, Zakar. And yeah. she is a Soulbite Gravelord's Legion of Blood, so she is keyword locked in that way. And this will be important for later. Yes. 
Because obviously in the regular Soulblight Gravelords, you can take her in whatever region you want. They just hmm. she wouldn't get the sub faction abilities of, you know, like say Legion of Night. Mm-hmm. But yep. obviously she gains the benefit for Legion of Blood because she is Legion of Blood. But there's something else she can't do in this yeah. book because she is keyword blood. Yeah. yeah, which is going to make very little sense <laughs> when, we, when we talk about this. So she is the fang of Nulamia. She's kind of Nephi's buddy, you know, her agent. And she has a move of six, wounds seven, four up save, ten bravery. She has two weapons profiles. One is the Warglaive. These are both one inch. The Warglaive is four attacks, three by threes, minus one, two damage. And the fangs on the little buddy are two attacks, three by threes, minus two, and two damage. She is a wizard. She can cast two spells. So she's a two by two wizard, which is very, very cool. And she has a special rule called the Time Swallower's Maw. Once per battle at the start of the combat phase, you can say that Ubroth, which is her little, well, not so little snake, (laughs) it's half the base, will use the Time Swallower's Maw. If you do so, roll 2d6. Each enemy unit within six inches of this unit, whose move characteristic is lower than the roll, suffers a number of mortal wounds equal to the difference between the move characteristic and the roll. If this ability... If you use this ability, it does not benefit from the Serpentine Agility ability for the rest of the battle, which is the next ability. So, cool. It's interesting. It's a cool rule. Yep. The problem is that it trades off to a, to another rule that yes. is really awesome. Yes. And this is Serpentine Agility. So attacks that target this unit can only score a hit on an mod- unmodified 5 or 6. Very cool. So, yeah, you can't use that if you do the exploding... Uh, mortal wounds thing explosion of time yeah so i i think what you try and do there is you save up for that ability to use it late game and you're going to do it in a way where like it's going to ping off the last wound on Mm. a hero or you know or you're going to try and like get a get a unit that's giving a buff you know get do enough damage to get it out of range potentially Mm -hmm. you know the those things that will win you a battle because only being able to be hit on fives or sixes is yeah, I mean, remarkable. Like, yeah. I, I can't imagine what I would pay for that on, on other units. Sure. And then we have Death's Construction. And this is a spell that has a casting value of 6, range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range, visible to the caster until your next hero phase. That unit cannot pick this unit or friendly units wholly within 6 as a target of spells, prayers, abilities, or shooting attack. That's really good. Holy mutt, man. Just, she has so much value. And she's only um, 160 points. Right. <laughs> That's really good. So notably, she doesn't have the hunger rule, right? So she's nope. she's not able to heal like normal vampires. Nope. Which, I mean, she'd be 200 points, I think, if, if she had that rule. Sure. And, you know, notably, she's a four-up save and not a not a three-up like most other vampire lord Mm -hmm. style characters which again is offset by the fact that you know you can't hit her on anything better than a five or six regardless of who you are right you can be kragnos you can be archeon you can't hit her on anything better than an unmodified five period Mm -hmm. i i don't know how many points that's worth like we've we've never really seen something like that before right and I think what's interesting is that at that point cost, because this death's construction thing with the you know immunity basically to spells, prayers, shooting attacks, that kind of thing, you could ally her in 
somewhere. And because it's only friendly units, it's not just soul blight grave lords, it's any friendly units in your army have yep. that have that protection, that aura of protection. Oh man, that's that's some good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Yeah. So for the points, I think she's well worth considering and looking at. And of course, an awesome model that goes without saying here, but we're gonna say it anyway. And then we're gonna move on to the Army of Renown because we have one of those and then I think six regiments. So this is Scions of Nulami. Why don't you talk to us about this one? Yep. So in order to be eligible to be a Scions of Nulamia army, you may only include the following units in your army. Direwolves, Felbats, and Vampire Heroes with a Wounds character of 12 or less that do not have a sub-faction keyword. Mm. And that's interesting because you can only buy Sekar in a new box that includes <laughs> Direwolves and Felbats. A, this is bizarre. A, a pretty clear aim, personally... That you are trying to encourage people to run the Scions of Nulamia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, like all armies of renown, throw out your Soulblight Gravelords rules, and instead yes. you get all of these other rules. Yeah. The Queen's Courtiers, so Scions of Nulamia Vampire Lord units gain the Battle Line Battlefield role, which which I do think is pretty cool. You could run a, a just a zillion little foot vampire heroes and mm. and that could be that could be your army. I, I don't think it'd be very good, but it would be very fun. Everybody has a ward of a six up, you know, the mm-hmm. Nulamian minions. Nulamian invocation, this rule's gonna sound very familiar to a Soul Black Gravelord's rule. <laughs> In your hero phase, you can pick up to three friendly signs of Nulamia summonable units wholly within 12 inches of a friendly signs of Nulamia hero. You can either heal up to three wounds allocated to that unit, or if no wounds have been allocated to that unit, you can return a number of slain models to it that have a combined wounds characteristic of three or less. Mm-hmm. Add one to the number of slain models that are returned to that unit if wholly within six inches of a friendly signs of Nulamia hero. You cannot pick the same unit to benefit from this ability more than once per phase. Fine. Makes sense. They all know the spell Grave Call. All friendly wizards know Grave Call, casting value of 6, range of 18. Pick one friendly Science of New Lamia summonable unit wholly within range, invisible. You can add D3 models to that unit, and you can take it beyond its starting size. I think that's particularly good with the Felbats, because uh, mm-hmm. the Felbats can get really charged up as that game goes on. Yep. Which is interesting. Because there's only have, th- there are usually three of them, right, in a unit, I think. Yeah, so you, yeah. you buy, them in, buy them in units of three... And obviously you can reinforce them, and, and here you could add more more to it. I mean, the big thing in Signs of Nulamia is you aren't going to have the same kind of unit replacement that you have in Soul Black Gravelords, mm. but, you know, we'll we'll get there. So they have Bacchanal of Blood, which is basically the Legion of Blood rule. So vamp- vampire heroes are bloodthirsty while they're within three inches of any enemy units. They get plus one to the attacks characteristics of their melee weapons if they're bloodthirsty. Makes sense. Cool. If they're empowered, while they're more than three inches from all enemy units, they get plus one to casting, dispelling, and unbinding while they're empowered. And they have this rule called Demise by Design. So this is the plots that, you know, Neferata is famous for. At the yes. start of your hero phase, you can say that one of your Science and Ulami units is attempting one of the plots of the Demise by Design table on the next page over mm-hmm. by the start of your next hero phase. So you get two 
potentially you get two turns to complete it. If you get the double, you, you don't. You must tell your opponent which plot this unit is attempting. The same unit cannot attempt the same plot more than once per battle. If the unit completes the plot, it gains the corresponding plot ability for the rest of the battle. If the unit was already gained a plot ability, you must choose which one it keeps. It cannot have more than one. Okay. So, Dan, let's go over to Demise by Design Plots. Which one do you want to talk about well, real quick? I kind of like the recruitment drive. I think that's kind of fun. Okay. And it, the plot is pick one friendly and one friendly unit. It must destroy an enemy unit that started the turn with five or more models. Okay. And if you get that ability, you add one to attack characteristics of this unit's melee weapons. So now not only does it get the plus one from Bloodthirsty, you get another plus one. So you can be at plus two. And if you have a big enough unit, say of wolves, oh man, that's going to be a lot of dice rolling. Well, so, right. so the wolves can't get plus two attacks because the it's the vampire heroes. Right, right. It's the heroes, right. Sorry about that. Okay. So yeah, but you're so, still adding one to a friendly unit. Exactly. So like, so the wolves can undertake the plot, as yes. strange as that sounds. But yes, you to get plus two, you would have to be a vampire hero, hero. Yep. Thank of, you. Yep. of 12 wounds right. or less, which, yep. you know, conspicuously is, you know, all of all of your little foot heroes, you know, shock, shock horror. But then from there... You don't have too many to pick from. Obviously, you're not going to have the Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon, who is 16, as you know, as fun as that would be. But the Vangorian Lord would qualify. Uh, that way, I was they, just thinking about them. Yep, they are 10, and I believe Cato Ezekar uh, oh, is yeah. keyword locked. Oh, I love him. Yeah, good. Yeah, Cato Cato is not keyword locked. That's that's good. The Coven Throne would be would be eligible. Right. Uh, yeah. The Bloodseeker Palanquin would be eligible. That's perfect, right? Because they're they should be Legion of Blood units. You know, when you when you think about what's what they are. Okay. Prince Duval would be eligible. Oh wow. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Which one of these do you like? I'm a big fan of the Queen's Prize, and mm. I really like it on the parking lot of dogs. Um, Pick one friendly unit. It must be contesting an objective you control that was controlled by your opponent at the start of your turn. Each model in that friendly unit counts as two models instead when determining control of objectives. I think that one's an easy one to do. You can take Mm. a big brick of 30 wolves. You can go get that objective, and now it counts as 60, and good luck. (laughs) Sure. That's great. Very nice. There's two more. Do we want to talk about them? Sure, we'll talk about them. We have time. I'll talk about the other one. Thaumic Realignment. Pick one friendly wizard. It must successfully cast two spells this hero phase that are not unbound. Add one to the casting roll for the wizard for the rest of the game. So that seems really tough to me. because Agreed, yes. That's, unless you have like a Vesperal gem kind of thing, you know, that you can keep that from happening. And even casting two spells sometimes can be a pain. So for a lot of these wizards, what you have to do is you have to be going second. You have to be a locust, which, you know, is almost certainly going to be the case. Mm Mm-hmm. So that you have the two casts, and then you have to be successful with those two casts. Mm-hmm. Now, you can set it up in such a way where you're empowered, so you're getting plus one to cast and bind and dispel. That's great. But also, you know, you can set yourself up in a magical dominance kind of place where you, know, you, you can't be unbound. Mm. But again, mm. you have to have two casts, and the number of things that you would have access to that meet that condition naturally, mm-hmm. I think, is zero. So, you, you know, that's a that's an interesting choice. And you can't take Sakar because she has two she's a two by two wizard, but she's not yep. allowed. Sorry. Yeah. Keyword locked. <laughs> it just makes no sense. How about that the last? It feels one? like an easy fix. <laughs> it sure does. Oh my gosh. 
Oh, well. How about the last uh, one here? Yep. So the last one is a worthy vintage. This is a great one to put on, you know, to try and achieve with like a Vengorian Lord mm. or with the, or with, you know, one of the bigger heroes. Pick one friendly unit. It must destroy an enemy hero or monster and add one to save rolls for attacks that target that friendly unit mm-hmm. if you are successful. Mm. That's cool. I mean, these would all be great if you could take like Blood Knights, but they're not vampire heroes, which is kind of a bummer. It's unfortunate. Uh, yeah. But it's interesting. The, I, I think the plots are cool. I think that's a neat mechanic. I think that if that was something that was just naturally in Legion of Blood, mm-hmm. I think that would be. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah. So let's let's jump over to the command trait then, Dan. Yeah. Favorite fangs. This is signs of Nulamia general only. Keeper of the Royal Menagerie at the end of your movement phase, you can pick one destroyed friendly signs of Nulamia summonable unit, and roll a dice on a three up a replacement unit with half the models from the destroyed unit is added to your army. The unit must be set up wholly within 12 inches of this general. More than three inches from all enemy units cannot attempt to charge pile and move in the same turn. Each destroyed unit can only be replaced once. Replacement units cannot be blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we got it. Okay. If you, with the units that you're going to be taking in this army, especially with, you know, maybe one or two big bricks of wolves, that's pretty powerful. <laughs> I... It I isn't, like it. it isn't. It's, like it's an it. objectively worse version of the Soulblight Gravelords oh. one, right? Oh. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it, it can only be triggered if your general's alive. That, one, it only that. triggers in your turn. Two, cool, you're still the three inches away, and you still don't have the charge or pile and move. But, you know, it, in Soulblight Gravelords, it's a four up in your opponent's turn to, you know, to put them on the, on the table. And mm. that is oftentimes the thing that, that can be backbreaking. You know, now you can't set them up in uh, mm, the, mm-hmm. the most insane ways possible, but you don't have grave sites, so you're limited to the singular location from whence they are going to come from. Understood. And you still Understood. still only have four reinforcement points. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, you can take two big bricks of dogs, but that's but that's it. Everything else is going to be min size or, right. or vampires. Right. And yeah. they don't lose the hero keyword they gain the the battle line they gain the battle line battlefield role but i guess it doesn't say that it loses the the leader the other thing about this that i do like though is if you do take a brick or two of wolves you're still getting you know on a three up you're still getting 15 models back with two wounds sure and that's still a powerful presence on the board and you know you could do this multiple times you know, to units. You could do this if you have two bricks of 30, for example. You could do this to both of them. Or three bricks if you're going to go nuts. You know, whatever you're going to do. But you could do it multiple times. So, And if this is your command trait, Brendan, I guess my argument is it's not a bad one to have. So I think this one is still really strong. Depending, again, on how you lean into the two units that you can take. You know, in terms of battle line units. You yeah. Know, Bats. Bats and wolves, yeah. Bat, bats and dogs. Yeah, so I, I think it's okay. I think my, my point of contention is it's a rule that you would get for free if you just played Legion of Blood. Oh, sure. It, but it's like a lot of these armies, you know, that if you play out of the battle tome that this belongs to, Soulblight or Nighthawk or whatever, in most cases you have better choices or you have better options. So I think it's cool because it leans into something. You know, of course, now that I've sold all 40 of my painted wolves, <laughs> now this comes out. But, you know, I had those conversations a while ago about having a, we, and we talked through it, you know, what would an all-wolf army look like? You know, yeah, 
be kind of fun. Here it is if you want it. Yeah. So very specifically, yes. they they heard they heard your concerns. <laughs> yeah, of Dan. course, right? Yeah, not happening. So we have one artifact. And it's the crown of command. The bearer has a ward of five up while they're within three inches of any friendly summonable units. Yep, that cool. That's fine. Yeah, nice. Like that. How about the intrigues? The grand strategy. Yeah, so the grand strategy, perfect execution. You complete this grand strategy if each plot from the design by uh, demise by design table is completed at least once. Not impossible, uh, but as we talked about with um, the one, the realignment. Uh, yeah, it, boy, it's real hard. So like you can you can achieve all of this, right? Like they they all can be done. At least the other three in a more manageable sense, right? The mm. one, destroy one enemy hero or monster. If it just said monster, I'd say, nope, forget it. Like, there's just going to be times where you're going to come up against your opponent and they have no monsters. And that's mm-hmm. it. Tactic failed. Or grand strategy failed. Like, mm-hmm. and that kind of stinks. But the Queen's Prize and Recruitment Drive, I think, are are both exceptionally manageable to achieve. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just trying to figure out if you are going to take that one, how do you how do you achieve it with the wizards that you have at your disposal? Mm-hmm. Right now, I, I don't have a good answer for you. Okay. How about the battle tactics then? What do you think? Sure. So you get three, no sacred ground, pick an enemy unit contesting an objective that you do not control. You complete this tactic. If that unit is destroyed this turn by an attack made by a friendly summonable unit, given that your only summonable units are dogs and bats, that might be kind of tough. Mm-hmm. And then Companions of Royalty, pick one friendly summonable unit on the battlefield that has had any models slain. You complete this tactic if any models are added to that unit this turn, and the number of models in that unit is above its starting size at the end of the turn. This one's actually pretty easy to do. Yep. You just have to you set it up later. So what you do is, you know, some models die. You know, battle round one, battle round two. You replenish them in battle round two, three, four, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're back at full strength already. You go over to battle round five, you replace a dog. (laughs) Well, you you pick the tactic, you replace a dog. It's above its starting size. It was wounded. You only had to bring back one of them. Yep. You also have the opportunity, right, in the Nulamian Invocation, where you can, even if you roll... Oh, no, it's not a roll. It's just the... You can add two to it. You can basically guarantee that you're going to be able to bring back three to a unit no matter what, assuming that you can get that Grave Call spell off. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you can guarantee that you can bring back two. Pretty manageable. Otherwise, right, the, the bats are a very similar situation. Exquisite plot. You complete this tactic if you complete a plot from the Demise by Design battle trait with a hero this turn. Also pretty manageable, I would yeah. think. Agreed. Yeah, just not the uh, not the wizard one. <laughs> Yeah, not the wizard one, right? Yeah, it's a, that's a drop-off for yeah. sure. Okay, then let's move on to our first regiment, which is Nefrata's Royal Echelon. It's Nephi, five black knights, and two units of ten skellies. Okay, if your army has a death general that is not a soul blight lord's army, you can include this regiment of renown, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so you basically you can't put it in Soul Blight. You can put it yeah, in Yeah, and, and so this is how it works for all of them. Whatever, whatever army they're coming from can't put that regiment into. Yes, so and we don't the need The Nighthaunt one yet. can't go into the Nighthaunt. The two Bone Reaper ones can't go into Bone Reapers. No. The Flesh Eater Court one can't go into Flesh Eater Courts. The Soul Blight Gravelord ones can't go into Soul Blight Gravelord ones, regardless of if you're playing within the Legion that they would have come from. So the first ability is... This regiment has a six-up ward, all the units. 
everybody, I assume including Nephi as well. Absolutely. Yep. The queen's the blood queen's will once per battle at the end of the battle shock phase. If Neferata in this regiment of renown or is in this regiment of renown is on the battlefield, of course, she has to be not killed. You can replace the battle tactic you picked at the start of your hero phase with a different eligible battle tactic. If you do so, you must pick a battle tactic that was not already completed. That's really cool. Yeah. I love that's, that. That's monstrous. That is so cool. Very, very cool. So, like, if you picked one, you know, let's let's say Magical Dominance, right? You set up out of Unbind range with your one caster and you just you just miscast right mm-hmm. you know, so you're gonna you're gonna fail that tactic mm-hmm. you can hot switch basically mm-hmm. you know at the end of your turn to having completed something different you don't have to declare which one it is that you're doing yeah, until exactly basically until it's done yep that it's wild like that's that is such a cool ability it explores a, a place and space that we haven't seen before in the mm-hmm. game in terms of uh, that mechanic manipulation, I think if this wasn't, you know, like one of these things that they're basically saying, this is the end of the edition, you know, we're taking all of our crazy ideas and sticking them to the wall and, you know, have fun. Yeah. If this was potentially an indicator to future things to come, I would say this is very scary and dangerous territory and I don't know that we want to open this Pandora's box. Sure. sure. But since we know that the box is being closed, I kind of don't don't care as much yep like it, it's just very good and then we have blood queen's blade at the start of your hero phase you can pick one enemy unit within 12 inches of nephi in this regiment until your next hero phase ward rolls cannot be made for that enemy unit against wounds and mortal wounds caused by attacks made by units in this regiment of renown yeah I, it's a oh. it's a very good restriction right because if it was everybody you know, gets free pass and they, and you know, that target doesn't get war rolls against anything in the whole army. Right. Ooh, that like sign me up. Broken, uh, broken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very cool. It's a good one. Obviously none of these are cheap. No. Nephi's clocks in at 600 points. Oh yeah. One of the things that I think is really interesting about these regiments of renown is that you actually end up getting kind of like in the case of almost all of them, a discount on the units being purchased, which mm-hmm. is a little odd. But, yeah, if they're going to encourage you to take them, then that's a good way to do it. That's that's one motivation, not the all only motivation, but certainly can provide that. So why don't you talk to us about the Summer King's Entourage? This is Ushran's regiment. Yeah, so with Ushran's, you basically get to play Flesh Eater Courts in not Flesh Eater Courts. <laughs> sure. So it's Ushran, 10 Krifgard, and 3 Morbeg Knights. So most of the units plus Ushran that you were buying the FOMO box for. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a ward of a 6-up. He has Maddening Radiance. You add 1 to the attacks characteristics of melee weapons used by units in this regiment and noun while they're wholly within 12 inches of Ushran. Cool. So Feeding Frenzy, but not Feeding Frenzy. <laughs> and... He has summoned diluted throngs at the end of your movement phase. If the Ushran in this regiment or renown is on the battlefield, you can pick one serfs or knights unit in this regiment or renown. Could be anything that has been destroyed and add a replacement unit identical to that unit to your army. Replacement units must be set up wholly within six inches of the battlefield, more than nine from all enemy units. Each destroyed unit can only be replaced once. Replacement units cannot themselves be replaced. So they come back at full strength, which is yeah, nice. Which is pretty darn cool. It's yeah. It's like you're getting him and. 20 crypt guard and six knights essentially yeah, you, is what that means you just you just got to kill them first <laughs> yeah and then, right and they're there yeah that's an interesting one 
670, I, I think, is probably pretty steep for what mm. it is that you're getting. Ushran mm. doesn't have a lot of non-Flesh Eater Court synergy. Like, he obviously has some, right? The the ability to do the bravery debuff and then hands out a fight's last, you know, mm-hmm. and he's got a five up board and he heals himself. Like, like that's cool. He's a cool combat character, but like the, it's all kind of self-contained. Neferata, you know, has a spell that mm-hmm. is just good. <laughs> like all the time. Yeah. It, right. Why don't you talk about the Manfred one? Cause you were pretty high on that one. I think this Manfred one is going to just, just be insane. So it clocks in at 630 points, and what you get for that is Manfred, 10 Graveguard, 3 Felbats, 3 Felbats, right? So It doesn't I, sound I, too bad. <laughs> I just want to do the math with people real quick on, on what that means, right? So you are spending 630 points, and, right, Bats went up to 100 points each. That's 200 points just mm-hmm. gone right, right out of mm-hmm. the gate. That's fine. Manfred is 400 uh, so that's 600, 600 of your 630, and I think we'd be very surprised to learn if Graveguard here were 30 points. Oh, they're not. They're 160. <laughs> so you're so what you're getting here is you're basically getting a unit of Graveguard for free. You know, not right, not exactly quite, but pretty pretty darn close. What I would call approximately free. So everybody gets a ward of a six up. Mm-hmm. Perfect. You add one to the attacks characteristics of weapons used by units in the regiment or noun that were set up in the same turn. So you're thinking, okay, there's probably some some deep strike mechanic that, or you know, some teleporting thing that that you're going to be worried about because because Manfred, you know, kind of kind of does that, but you know, he doesn't. So the last rule is cover of night. At the start of your hero phase, you can pick one unit in this regiment or noun that is more than three inches from all enemy units. Fine, totally reasonable. Remove that unit from the battlefield and set it up again more than six inches from all enemy units. That unit cannot move in the following movement phase. Okay, that's fine. So you got to land a six to the charge, right? Of course, that would be silly. That if you, for instance, had a unit in this that landed that charge automatically. Oh wait, you do. It's graveguard. Graveguard that include a musician count all charge rolls of less than six as being six. Mm-hmm. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna pick up your six, or sorry, your unit of ten graveguard. You're going to set them up six inches away from your opponents. They're going to automatically make the charge. It's going to bring them up to three attacks apiece, regardless of the weapon they have. Mm. You know, if it's if it's the white blade, it's three attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one. Or the great white blade, three attacks, fours and threes, rend one, damage two. Mm-hmm. Cool, neat, fantastic. Sixes to wound are a mortal wound in addition. And, like, that would be fine all on its own, except for the fact that, you know, Manfred exists and... Manfred, right, with his sort of unholy power, each time this unit fights, any wounds caused by this unit's Ebon Claws, Sickle Glaive, or Spectral Claws, and Daggers must be all- allocated first, because if you kill anything with the Geistvor, you add one of the attacks characters... Oh no, it's Legion of Night keyword. Never mind. I thought you were able to get him up to four. They don't get the <laughs> Legion of Night keyword anymore. But the point still stands is you get a free unit of Graveguard that are better than every other unit of Graveguard that you can buy in the game, because all game, they're going to be picked up and moved over, and teleported, and automatically charged in, and fight, and they're going to fight with more attacks than they would have had anyways. Like, that seems crazy to me, especially when you put it in, I don't know, a Nighthaunt list, <laughs> when you have a bunch of units in Nighthaunt charging around, maybe triggering fights last, maybe giving you some extra rend, uh, you know, effective rend, it reduces the the save roll. Like, I don't know, that seems excellent, 
Mm -hmm. Uh, This is one that upon reading and looking at the points and going, "Hmm, I wonder what this slots into. Well, you go, who who approved this? (laughs) Okay. Now, I like this next one. Yes, you do. Very much. This next one, I think, is fair compared to the Manfred one. You know, and the best thing about this is I can just hit up my friend Kyle and say, hey, I need your models. You need to borrow some more gas. Because <laughs> he's got like a bazillion of them. So, <laughs> hey, this is the Lich's Hand, otherwise known as Arcan and the Null Myriad. It's Arcan, yep. two Morgast Archai, and then two Morgast Harbingers. So, it's two of the guys with the glaives and two of the guys with the double swords. Just like every other regiment of renown in this book, it has a six-up ward. And then Unholy Sacraments. You can roll a die each time a friendly unit in this regiment of renown is affected by a spell cast by an enemy unit or the abilities of an endless spell summoned by the enemy. On a two-up, ignore the effect of that spell or effects of that endless spell's ability on that unit. So that applies not only to the two units of Morgath, but Arcan as well. Yep. Now, 750 points is pretty steep, but holy mutt, Brendan. Those Morgaths are just devilish when it comes to shutting down commands and other things on the board. I mean, that this is really good. This can be really good allied in with somebody. Oh, agreed. There's like, there are a number of things that you lose, you know, coming out of bone reapers, Mm, which I think hurt more when we talk about the catacross one, like you lose your exploding sixes, you lose your bucket of command abilities. You know, you lose your bucket of command points. You know, you're not going to be able to jack up the rend on the Morgas, but yeah, having an aura in which opponents can't issue or receive command abilities from is, is going to be good. You don't see a super huge discount, you know, running, running Arcand and them boys, right? Because, you know, it's uh, understandably maybe, maybe Morgas are pointed probably where they're supposed to be. Sure. But, but, you know, they're also really tough to take off the board. We know that. They're very resilient units. Arcan has good synergy with them. He can yep. heal them. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not able to return whole models of them, but no. he's able to, to kind of keep them in, in good shape, which is mm-hmm. which is important. Yep. So you have a unit of Morgast Archai, a unit of Morgast Harbingers. That's 550. And then Arcan himself is 380. So, so 130 so I, points. Yeah. yeah, so I, so you're I mean you're getting you're getting them at a, a decent discount. Like it's not a free unit of Graveguard, but you've also got a six up board and you've got a two up ward to ignore spells. I mean that's so good, especially for these units. Yeah, just take these five models and just put them somewhere and move them towards whatever you want to get yeah. at. I mean it's just or whatever you want to shut down, whatever it is. Ooh, I love it. All right. Here you Catacross. go. Here's your buddy. Signs of the Necropolis. So with this, you get Catacross, Mortark of the Necropolis, and two units of three and more discard. This clocks in at 750 points as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, I think, is particularly silly because Catacross is 500 points, <laughs> and a unit of more and more discard is 230 points. So you're getting that second unit of a more discard for 20 points. In other words? Yeah, free you get a six-up board. Cool. Enemy models that have a wounds characteristic of three or less cannot contest objectives while they're within six inches of any models in this regiment to renown. This is I, this is a strange one to me because I Catacross loses a lot of synergy. Again, outside of Bone Reapers, he still gets some free command points that he's able to use to make the Immortus Guard tough to move. 
and make the Immortus Guard better to hit or give them more attacks. But, you know, you're not sitting on a bunch of points to make them mm. fight twice for free, basically, or give them rerolls to, uh, plus one to wound when they're charged or, you know, if they're Immortus Praetorians countercharging. But you still have your spy, you, know, you still have a five up to steal commands. You can hand out, you know, your minus one to hit from the scroll bearer. Right. Like, like there are still things that, that work well with it, but, you know, synergizing a lot like Usheron to the rest of your army, I, I think is pretty limited. Sure. But I suppose that is, you know, all of that is absolved by getting a, a unit of a Mortis Guard for free. Uh, <laughs> you just get to you just get to bring to the game. Sure. I'm sure there yes. will be no consequences to this decision. Everything will be fine. Of course. And we can say this because fourth edition is so close. Yeah. So it will it will all resolve itself. The next one is the last one is Saramorn Choir. This is Lady O's regiment. So it's Lady Alinder, 10 Dread Size, 4 Mirmorns, and 4 Mirmorns. So two units of four Banshees. Ethereal, of course. Units in this regiment of Renown have a ward of six up, and addition units in this regiment can retreat and still charge in the same turn. I'm just thinking of the Herodans with that two-inch range for their attacks now. Yep. That would be pretty sweet. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, can, they can rock a lot of attacks. They really think- can... I think the most Punch frustrating thing about this battalion is this is the only one that doesn't come at a discount. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which begs the question, why? Of course. Also, also, why wouldn't you just point them for whatever whatever mm. they cost, right? Mm. Like that. That seems so strange to me. Like it's you know it's this many it's these units in this quantity. Mm. It costs you this many points now, and then the battle scroll comes out, and it costs you this many points later. Mm. Is the team that's doing the design that worried about, you know, like these being so unbalanced in their particular combinations that they are going to warrant hypothetically different points if this were to be something that were ongoing? Mm. I don't know. That that seems very strange to me. And, um, and they do have one more rule, though. In the battle shock phase, units, enemy units cannot issue or receive commands if they're within three inches of any units in this regiment. Very, very powerful. In addition, if you make an unmodified charge roll of eight or more, the first strike effect applies to that unit until the end of the turn. So since you're retreating and charging, cool, you get some chances. And even Banshees can be pretty punchy. Yeah. And when they're going in, so if all three of these units, the Herodans and the two units of Banshees can retreat and charge, pretty cool. And if they can take down some models, you can't use Battleshock community. Yeah. And as yeah. you have said for a couple of people, like for like Catacros, you know, he doesn't get a lot of those synergies, but she's the same way, Alinder. She's got a lot of her own stuff that affects any army she's in. And so she can still have a pretty significant effect of you know against models on the field yeah as as a self-contained packet i think this is one that makes a good bit of sense to include with other things you know the the problem being that you know it's it's more expensive than if you were to just Mm -hmm. bring them uh which again feels feels very silly well one of the things too you know brendan with that is that you know, the nice thing about regiments of renown overall is you can bring points you normally couldn't bring as allies because you don't you, you skirt that limit yeah, that we always so have. Right. And so that's cool. You know, and the best thing about the Saruman Choir here is that I still have an Alinder model on my shelf painted and ready to go. 
<laughs> so I only need to buy three boxes and I can run this. And one anyway. of the strongest aspects of this particular regiments, before we get you know before we get off of it and and mm-hmm. do some thoughts on it as a whole, is the banshees provide their spell protection mm-hmm. to friendly units that are in range. Right? Friendly so that, units, yep. Yeah, it's not it's not night haunts. It's it's units that are in that bubble. Now, mm-hmm. oftentimes you would just be able to ally them anyways, and you know you could you could gain that protection. But if as we're looking at the self-contained packet i i think that's where a lot of the value would potentially come from if you're looking at a magic heavy environment that sure. you're going to be in perfect or you could just also run arcans yeah you could do that too all right any thoughts any final thoughts in this book i'm glad that this is coming out at the end of an edition so that we're not going to have to deal with this for particularly long mm. because if this is a space that they want to explore i think they are yeah, what's the what's the right way of putting it without being mean? <laughs> Just go ahead. I, I think they're putting something out there that they don't fully appreciate the consequence of. Okay. Like again, cool. You know, play with your models, do all those kinds of things. Like I'm very pro all of that. Have you know, have been very consistently, you know, go go listen to old podcasts. Like I, I think it's cool to be able to play with your stuff and be able to do cool things with it. Mm-hmm. This is basically unlearning the problem that we had when Legions and Agash and Night Haunt first came, and when Night Haunt was first released at the start of second, mm. where Legions and Agash allowed you to bring over units from the Night Haunt book. And okay. those units were more effective and more efficient in Legions of Nagash than they were in the Night Haunt battle tome. And I think some of these regiments are going to provide a similar problem, mm. especially when they come at a discounted price to what they are naturally occurring in in the environments and that is simply put bad uh like okay yeah i like these options i like most of them i like always like when the the function of that particular regiment is additive you know when when the rules are very interesting and they make it worthwhile because we've talked about some of the regiments of renown that are just like okay next (laughs) what was the point of that most of these are, are very interesting and and certainly provides something additive if you do take them. Very cool. If you're a death player, you got to be excited about these, at least for a few months until fourth comes mm. out, right? Yep. All right, man. That's it for Dawnbringers 4 and Winter Battle Scroll. And we will move on, as we always do, to Scriptorium. Etc., etc., etc. It is Scriptorium time. We have some new releases, and it's not... Not bad stuff. The first one is, I'm shocked, a Dark Angels novel. <laughs> it's yeah. Lazarus, Enmity's Edge. So if you're a Dark Angels fan, sounds like it'll be fun. There's an End Times book with five short stories if you're interested in the death of the old world. There's a book called Da Big Daka, which is about this new orc character that they have a model for. So very cool. We have Ghosts of Barak Minas, which is, ooh, imagine that. It's a KO book. All right, with a name like that. And then there are several uh, miscellaneous short stories, the ones that are, you know, half an hour, 20 minutes, whatever else. So that's all the new stuff, but it's quite a bit, actually, compared to not having anything yeah. that we've had recently. So that's very cool. That Dark Angels book looks interesting. I may see when I whenever my queue is cleared. Uh, probably never, but that certainly looks like it might be interesting. And it is audiobook already, so 
How about you for stuff? I finished volume three of the mm-hmm. uh, Siege of Terra, the end of the death, yes. as as you did as well. So you certainly beat me for speed of completion, but <laughs> I, you know, I, I had you on on date, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, for me, I started listening to. It's not quite a biography. It's a nonfiction compilation that Mary Beard doing. It's called Emperor of Rome. Mm. And she is exploring in in this, you know, the emperors of the Western Empire, you know, and kind of explaining, you know, like what kind of person, you know, was an emperor of Rome. You know, are they all bloodthirsty tyrants? You know, the they're the wise ones. You know, how do they get to this position of authority? Because so many of them took different routes. And obviously, I listened to mm-hmm. a lot of this when I was listening to Totalis Rankium, yes. uh, the emperors. So mm-hmm. it, it'll be interesting to read it from the perspective of, you know, like a, a person who is a, a historian. Okay. And she's doing a really good job of jumping around mm-hmm. and taking different examples from different periods of time and, and drawing the threads together because, you know, obviously. For those that, that know the history of the Roman Empire, kind of your first Caesar right out of the gate is maybe the best one. And then, <laughs> and then from there, it's a real crazy mixed bag of, yeah. of all sorts of people. Sure. And, you know, so she's, she's doing a really good job. I'm only a couple hours into it, but she's doing a really good job of, you know, grabbing this one emperor and, and you know, saying like, hey, this is similar to this other one. But, you know, mm. I like, hear the differences and. You know, how do they relate to, you know, how does the average person in the Roman Empire, you know, relate with the emperor? You know, mm. like what kind of interaction do they have? And and that's been kind of cool because I don't think people explore the the paperwork aspect of, of that <laughs> sure. job very much. Right. Yeah. And it turns out there's a lot of paperwork uh, okay. with being the Roman emperor. Cool. Excellent. So, yeah, Excellent. So that's, that's been the thing I've been listening to as far as watches go. Netflix had a documentary on Alexander the Great and you know his conquest of Persia. It's like five hours long. It's very short. It's very abridged. You okay. miss a lot of details in it. But you, you get the gist of it kind of a, okay. kind of a thing. Like it's it's entertaining. I'll give okay. it that. Okay. But cool. I'd seen it. I just hadn't watched it, so I'm glad to get the feedback. Yeah, I guess it, it was fine. Okay. Uh, I think is the, right. the overall feedback. <laughs> okay. What about you, Dan? Um, well, I did finish volumes two and three of End of the Death. Man, I just roared through these two books. I couldn't believe how quickly you know I was I was getting through them. And I had a little bit of a delay between the two because I got the second book, or the third book, I got volume three from this bookseller that the books come from a bookstore in Ireland, actually, which is kind of fun. You know, like I said, it's like an eBay, you know, the place I get it, Abbey Books sometimes. And so what's really cool about Kenny's Bookshop is that when they send you bookmarks, it's all in Gaelic. So, so you're looking at it going, I have no idea what this means, but it looks really cool. (laughs) And so it took a little bit longer than I was expecting. But then when I realized where it was coming from, it's like, oh, that's why. Oh, never, never mind. It's fine. And they're always very responsive. If I ask questions, like the next day, they get me an email and they explain stuff. And it's it's very nice. Anyway, it was to me a really, really wonderful ending to the Horus Heresy. I just thought they did such a fantastic job. The character drops were amazing. I'm not going to spoil anything, but just once in a while, 
he would just write a name on the page. I'm going, what? Like, you haven't heard about that character for like 20 books or 30 books. And it just kept happening. And it's not going to spoil anything, but I just think the whole confrontation between the Emperor and Horus was so, I think it's very unexpected what happens compared to, you know, the coffee table books that everybody has read of that final father and son meeting, as it were. Where really you get that finishing detail. And this, I mean, in the audiobook, that fight goes on for like three hours. One of the things, Brendan, too, we didn't talk about this, was the format of volumes two and three was so different. Like, I was reading volumes, you know, volume two, and like the longest chapter was like six pages. And most of them were two or three pages. You'd read those two or three and you're going... What? Another chapter? Okay. And you just were bouncing around like crazy while you were reading. But then volume but, three. And you mentioned how jarring that was to read. And I was like, yeah. oh, thank goodness someone validated my experience as a person <laughs> listening. Because I was like, yeah, I can't imagine. I, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, I have missed so much in this book. Like, you know, what What do you mean next chapter? Like, <laughs> And then in volume three, it was kind of jarring because the first chapter was like 15 pages. I'm going, wait a minute, did I miss something? Like you were just saying, and then the next one was, you know, normal. So it went back to kind of a normal reading cycle. But yeah, just just so very good. So once I've done with those, I'm continuing to read Empire of the Summer Moon, which it's a slow read because there is so much detail that's important in the way he writes the book. One of the interesting, he does a lot of analogies, you know, between different things. And he talks about how the Comanches, when they first were in that part of the country, were really pushed around by all the other tribes. I mean, they were, you know, this was long before they had any horses or anything. And they just got beat up and pushed around. They were forced up into the mountains. And then once the horses arrived, they just started dominating everybody else. And he said, it's kind of like that, you know, kid in junior high school and middle school who gets bullied and then he comes back in high school and he's like 250 pounds and he's a linebacker you know yeah and he's just beaten up on all the people who bullied him in middle school it was kind of like that but it's it's still very fascinating i finished betrayer of horus heresy and that was for the emperor protects thing i do with doug and very good uh, book. It was fun to read it again or listen to it again because it has been so long as a lot of these books. I finished listening to Anarch, which is the last Gaunt's Ghost story. I started Descent of Angels because we're going to talk about that one next time, but it also was appropriate because Dark Angels are coming out in the hobby world. So it's been more interesting. And I realized as I was listening to that, that this is really a story about Zahariel, who is, you know, one of the the young men who becomes a knight and does all the things. As, as I'm listening, going, well, everything they're saying is talking about his story. And I just didn't remember that from reading it so many years ago. Then the other book I'm listening to is called Angels of Darkness and Blood. As you might imagine, it's a bunch of short stories about the blood angels and the dark angels. It's okay. There are a few that I enjoy. I'm not a big... Uh, just calling it out. I'm not a big Andy Smiley fan. He does a lot of the Gabriel Seth stuff, you know, for the Flesh Terrors. That's kind of his his thing. And there was a lot of Flesh Terror stuff. And I would have liked to have listened to other stories. I think like half the stories were Flesh Terror stuff. So anyway, it, it was okay. It was all right. I did finish the Pacific. It was great. I was so glad that they spent the time they did in the last episode 
kind of doing the post-war stuff and where everybody ended up and how, you know, they came back into society and, and had to adjust. Well, yeah, and how different it was from oh. the end of just the regular band of brothers Ooh. where... And I just went back and I got a job and I married my yeah. girlfriend, you know, and it was... And, and they're all best buds and, like... <laughs> yeah. It was very different. And then I've watched the first six episodes of Masters of the Air. It continues to be an exceptional series. And, you know, at first I'm looking at it in, you know, we've talked already about in the Pacific just how brutal it was for those Marines. Just the environment and the enemy. And they were just immersed in this day after day after day. But then, and I, you know, Masters of the Air, you see the pilots and the crew and stuff. And they're in the officer's club or whatever. And they're having drinks at the bar, you know, between missions. You're going, ah, well, geez. Like compared to the Marines. But then when they get up into the air and you realize like, out of 170 crewmen that went on this one mission, 10 got back. I can't imagine the trauma that those 10 who got back must have from realizing... Un un unbelievable, yes. Everybody they knew and cared about just died in an afternoon. So it wasn't like it was a week or two weeks or months. You know, it was one afternoon all these people they knew died. And I was thinking also about how when you're in these airplanes and you're flying, you can't take cover. You, it's like you're, and the flak comes, it's like you're, there's an artillery barrage and you're told you have to stand out in the open and you just hope you don't get blown up, right? I mean, it, it was just chance whether these planes got hit or not. And they didn't. They couldn't run anywhere. They couldn't retreat anywhere. And the combat was so frenetic, even though it was short, it just was horrible. You know, you hear somebody scream on the radio, you see, you go back to the back and you see a bloody body on the ground and it just happened within moments. It wasn't like it was this extended thing. It's just interesting now to have all three series and see the, the things that these men went through as they, you know, did what they did for all of us in World War II. It's, it's just fascinating and so well done. So tastefully done. Cindy and I finished Night Agent. I would recommend the series. Okay. It was really good, especially the ending. It was really cool. Yeah, it, it had a lot of plot twists that you just weren't expecting. And even when you thought you'd figured something out, you didn't figure it out. Uh, <laughs> it was it was very cool. I, I really liked it. And uh, the, there's going to be another series or another season, which is cool. Also, last time I had mentioned to everyone that I saw this short on YouTube called Sisters of Battle. And it was really good. It was like two minutes or something. But the visuals just were really vibrant and really unique. So there are two other ones I wanted to recommend to people. Again, just a couple of minutes. But the first one is called Imperium of Man. And the next one is Fall of the Imperium. And again, it's the visuals and the sound and everything else. And it, what's really interesting about the the people putting these together is they're just like skirting the line on the IP. Like you know exactly what it is. You know it's an orc. You know it's a space marine. You know it's a necron. But they can't really do you know <laughs> they can't have it be exactly what gw does you know but you know what it is um, but they're just fascinating to for a quick watch um and then there was another one called imperial armed forces recruitment reel and that one was just i kind of laughed when i was listening to that one but again the visuals are so cool on those anyway i saw the bob marley movie it was very good i really really enjoyed it brendan i think that it will be more of interest if you have an interest in like reggae or Bob Marley, if you've ever followed him or Ziggy Marley, part of his family. If you are interested in that 
time frame, you know, like the mid to late 70s, early 80s, and what was going on in Jamaica at the time. It was just really, really well done. And if you know nothing about Marley and you watch this, you'll be very, very impressed with him as an individual. Like the thing he did to unite a country that was literally just tearing itself apart. It's, did you feel? Did you feel it was accurate, Dan? Yes. Um, In okay. fact, you say that. That's fascinating because at the beginning of the movie, Ziggy Marley, one of his sons, came on the thing and said, "We really." He said that they really appreciated the producers and the directors of the movie working so closely with the family and friends to make it as authentic as they could. So, yeah, I mean, they didn't hold back, that's for sure. And then, of course, the big news. Five days from today, I'm going to that premiere. Dune premieres on March 1st. I got my tickets. My movie buddy Mike and I, we're going. And uh, 7 o'clock in the evening, we're going to hit that bad boy up. I am. I thought you were going to say 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Damn, that's, that's maybe the worst time to watch a movie. You know, and if people are like, why are you so excited about this? I guess I would ask a lot of the listeners, how excited were you if you enjoyed the first Lord of the Rings movie? How well, excited were you to see the second one? And how excited were you to see the third one? I mean, you just couldn't wait, right? You just had to get that next movie. I feel like this about the second Dune movie. And now there's been a lot of talk, including Denis Villeneuve, the director, talking about they've already started scripting for Doom Messiah, which will be a third movie, which, oh, so cool. Yeah, scriptorium, rock and roll. Yeah. Let's move on to question time. All right, Dan, I'll start. Okay. We'll... You know, we'll work through the show like we like we often do. Yes, sir. So, what what is your favorite regiment of renown and why? From from book four, I really like the Lich's Hand, the Arkan and the Null Myriad guys, because just thinking of the environment we play in, and thinking how powerful it is to ignore magic, because a lot of armies just they rely on magic if you don't have magic then you're much easier to beat in a game if you took that component out so i really like the fact that you would have this big brick of four more gas and arcan just moving around the board and you could rain you know hell on them from a techless or a croak or somebody and they would just laugh at you and go yeah whatever man you're going to have to go after the other 1,250 points because we're not moving. We're not, you can't touch us. I think that's cool. And I think, again, in the environment, it can be very, very scary and effective. So, okay. yeah. so building off of question one, what would a list look like that you would want to take with the Arcan Regiment? Mm, man, because... Just approximate, right? You, know, don't, you don't have to nail down the exact 1,250 points that you'd take. I, I would take Night Haunt. At this point, and based on changes, I would take a fair amount of blade geists. I would rock some Herodons now. I had a huge brick of those too, and they could just be scary with that with that four up save. You know that the army has that ethereal save, and all the other benefits. I think having those units in particular with that two inch reach. Oh, man, you could just pummel people with that. 
And okay. I think that would be a really, really good list. I don't know who the heroes would be that I would throw in to go with that. Certainly probably a Spirit Torment for some recursion. You know, a couple of those. Uh, I mean, the usual yeah. suspect, you know, yeah, Appreciator, yeah, yeah, Torments, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, of course, yeah. So, But I think I would focus on Blade Geist Inheritance now. Okay. The Horus Heresy is now over, mm-hmm. you know, the, the book series. What story in 40K, 30K, Age of Sigmar, I mean, you know, now we can also go the old world, that you would like to see the Black Library go on an epic novel writing adventure with? I, I think, I, I was thinking about this. It's funny you asked because I was thinking about what could we do in between the, the 30th and the 40th millennium? What could we do in there? Now, they've already done a series when the orcs, you know, almost destroyed Earth and all that stuff. I get it. But there's a lot of these little storylines, like, let's say Abaddon, I think would be a really cool storyline for them to make a long one. Because we've got a couple of novels of his, you know, The Talent of Horus. we got a couple other things. But how did he even get there? Like... It didn't happen overnight. It was 10,000 years, you know, since the, the Black Crusades came. I think he would be a fascinating character to follow and, and have a storyline. I think it'd be really cool to get some more about the origin story of the Black Templars. Because there was some involvement of, you know, them in this book. There was, this was kind of the origin story, a pre-origin story, I guess you could call it. There were some elements of that in here. And so I would like to see that continue. Because it was a critical part of the story. So that would be a second thing. I'd also like to see some story series on the formation of the ecclesiarchy. In the history mm. of the ecclesiarchy, because again, it played a, a very important role near the end of the story, and we just know it's there, right? But we don't really know how it came about. We don't we don't understand the details of that and the characters and the people, you know. So I think those three things would be really fascinating to see fleshed out. Okay, thing you are most excited for in Dune Two that doesn't include the spoilery details i think seeing like raban and gurney halleck face off and the whole thing where we know in the story that the fremen kind of fight back now you know they they get some unity and they're they're actually fighting to see the harkonnens and the sutter car just start getting their butts hit I think that's cool. I think that'd be so neat, and I'm excited to see how he does that. That it kind of the turning of the tide, as it were. So college basketball season is coming to a close. You and yeah. I talked about that a bit at the, yeah, sure. the start of the show. Sure. I'm not going to ask you, you know, who's who's going to win that kind of thing, but we're uh, coming up to conference play, mm. you know, now before our next show. Mm. Dan, what is a what is a team you are most excited to watch during conference play because you think that they can really improve their standings in in what will eventually be the the bracket because you've been watching a lot of college basketball we have we really have i'm interested to see how marquette does because they had a really bad streak there for a while but they've won like eight of nine their last games they've really pushed it as we both know in in sports having that momentum going into the playoffs is so critical so they would be a cool team to see 
I want to see how Tennessee does in their bracket because I think they're two in their division now. I think they're oh, what it. It's not West. It's the yeah. They're they're in the SEC West. Yeah. Okay. So I would like to see how Tennessee does. That's another team that I think is kind of a sleeper, but I think they're pretty highly ranked. They're not number one in their their group, but that would be really cool. So that's another team that I'd like to look and see how they do. Those are uh, those are my five. Okay. Let's start with the non sports questions. Fair uh, enough. You have a choice between taking the Scions or the Lich's hand. So that's the OBR with Catacros or the one with Arcan. I think the Arcan one is more versatile and more lists. You're you're quote unquote only getting an eighty point discount, but you have two units that can get strikes first off of the charge. That's that's obviously good, mm-hmm. you know, just from hitting in, in eight up. Arcan supports them, and then Arcan just has a good ability to support any any army that that they're in. Right, okay. the Curse of, Curse of Years is always a good threat. He's able to re- keep keep those more gas going. I definitely think that there's a place for the Catacross lists. You know, you just have to make sure that if you are taking it, it's because you're going into a a meta that is going to have a fair few three wounds or less Mm. models that Mm -hmm. are going to be in play where you can really make the most out of that inclusion. Okay. The next question then is on the battle scroll. What do you think is the most significant rules change in this battle scroll? Probably giving two inch reach to most of those units um, that, that got them. And I won't say that there's a particular one because what, what you've now changed is the effectiveness of a number of war scrolls that no matter how many points you dropped them, you were never going to get mm. great efficiency out of them other than, you know, like let's say, say you drop blade guys to 80 points. Well, then you're just going to run blade guys because you can play a hundred blade guys. <laughs> sure. And you know, you're going to run them as 10 units of 10 and mm. you know, your, your opponent's going to go, Wow, this was a terrible experience. Thank you for you know. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> okay. Right, but you. <laughs> this is one of the instances in the battle scroll where they actually do solve a problem. Okay. They want to see, you know, and and they said it, they say it in Metal Watch that you know you they want to see more more units being used of units that are underused, and these units were used with good frequency when. They when they had the effective version of two inch reach, you know, the, sure. the ability to effectively fight in two ranks. The Band of Brothers of, thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. exactly. Got it. I, I think that's going to have the biggest impact to the game writ large. Okay, fair. You're going to take a vacation during the winter. Are you going to Florida or Arizona? I have actually been to Arizona in the winter. It was lovely. I, I got to see the Grand Canyon covered in snow. That was that was really cool. We pulled up to the um, the national park and the and the ranger at the gate was so giddy. She you know she was telling us she goes she goes you are here on maybe one of three days a year oh, where wow. where this thing happens. So I I would say Arizona. I okay. I really enjoyed it. Okay. So now to the sports questions. We'll start with college and then the NBA for, uh, basketball. Oh, um, so, right now, is it going to be UConn or Purdue? 
I'm going to ask again, because it's been a few weeks, where they are, who they've won against, who they've lost against in the last few weeks. What do you think, UConn or Purdue, since they're both top as, seeds as, right now? As the team that wins it or the team that's going to be the, the number one overall? The team that's going to win it. Now, again, let's assume you're betting a large amount of money, so you, you're going to be a, more, a little more objective than you would... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, in that case, I'm going to take the team that's won two national titles, like yep. you know, in in recent memory. Like, I'll I'll take UConn. Okay. I really struggle right with the Purdue basketball thing. I was at the Ohio State game that they lost. Yeah. You know, me and my friend who I was watching with while we were there, we we saw it coming a mile away. Like, you know, we we're mm. just like, it got down to like ten minutes left in the game, and we were like, "Yep, nope, uh, we're going to lose by four. Like, that's <laughs> okay. All yep, right. Seen seen this one play out before you know i'll i'll, I'll take uconn okay the, matt painter has not exactly demonstrated in recent memory the ability to go deep into the tournaments which is a little frustrating but i unfortunate i don't know who you would hire to do better so you just kind of gotta just kind of gotta live with it and play play the odds games okay so in the nba and i know it's still a couple months to playoffs i get that like yeah. early may right we got a long time to go but Nonetheless, the Celtics are just like crazy good. Like their the record is so much better. They won what? Haven't they won like ten in a row or something? They're really on. Yeah, they they've won a lot of oof, games. Oof. But if you had to choose between the T Wolves or the Thunder to be the team that plays them, because the Timberwolves and Thunder are both doing really well right now. Well, you know, at this point in the season anyway. Which would it be? Which one do you think is going to make it to the finals versus the Celtics? So you're asking me Wolves or Thunder, or Thunder to make it to the finals. Yeah. First off, that feels like a crazy question. Yeah, I know. Um, but you know me, I'm not... I, I reach out for these crazy things, so... If given the choice of, you know, all of the teams in the West, I'd take neither of them. Okay, fair. But, but given that I have to pick between the two... At this point um, in the season, yes. Yeah, yes. I have to pick between the two. I, I'm a firm believer in the NBA that in order to win in the finals, your team has to have undergone <laughs> one piece of very unnecessary suffering. At least one. Okay. And I don't think... Either of these teams has met that criteria. So if they're going to make it in, I don't think they're going to beat Boston because they don't they don't match the criteria no. of of heartbreak. No. That's okay. It's part of part of what's got to happen. But I refuse to learn anything about these Timberwolves because I believe wholeheartedly <laughs> that they aren't going to do anything when <sighs> when the time comes. Okay, so you would pick the Thunder off out of the two. Yeah, and okay. and I hate that choice. Like okay. I, all right, well that's okay. Sometimes they're tough choices, man. <laughs> it makes it more fun. All right, that's it for my questions, man. We're done. Right. Rock and roll, crazy Dan asking crazy questions. Yeah, that boy, that one feels <laughs> nuts. I will laugh my butt off if, like, the second week in May, I'll go, Brendan, who's going to make it? You're going to go, oh, God, I can't believe it. That would I just can't be believe so we're having this conversation, <laughs> but yes. Okay. Let us move on and close this puppy out. There is something going on around here, something you may not even know about. Well, it feels really retro today since we're recording on a Sunday morning, as it were. Yeah. How about Sunday announcements, real live Sunday announcements? I totally forgot that it's it's Sunday and this is a thing I have to do now. Hold please. 
Oh, here we go. Hadn't made it to the website yet. Okay, we do have Sunday announcements and previews. You have the Solar Auxilia Battle Group for the Horse Heresy with the battle tank and the heavy sentinel that sure. looks insane. And your infantrymen, like, it looks cool. You have special dice. The Stormseer console, Dan. Oh, yeah. I know you're not playing your White Scars anymore, but every time I see yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Dark Emissary console for, you know, any uh, any evil players. Apothecarian detachments. Perfect. For your Old World fans, you can now buy the Tomb King on Necrolith Bone Dragon as a standalone. Mm. Neckhalf Emissary of Cetra. You can... A bunch of Tomb Kings of Kemri are returning in their plastics. Skeleton warriors and Ooh. archers, and horsemen and horse archers and chariots. And you also have metal Tomb Kings of Kemri returning. Oh, lovely. And you have resin Tomb Kings of Kemri that are returning. And more importantly, honestly, is Knights of the Realm on foot for Bretonians are coming out. Those models are incredible, and it's about time. You get them in boxes of 20, which is the Lord with Great Weapon that was originally sculpted 14 years ago or something like that. The same thing with the Bretonians, the plastics, the resins, the metals. They're... So it's a big old world drop. Big here. old world release and big-ish Horus Heresy release. Okay, fair. So, awesome. Again, it was just good to have Sunday announcements. <laughs> yeah, nice. sun- Sunday announcements with the normal cadence of Brendan going, oh shoot, that's right, it's part of the end of the show now. <laughs> All right. So, any Q&A for you? I do, but you you had a bunch of them, so I was going to defer yeah. to you. Well, I'm, uh, I'm just going to do one, because i got some of my cues, so I've actually got some for the next couple shows. Okay. Yeah. Then I'll ask one from our friend and technically boss, Mike. <laughs> and he asks, Dan, what camp trip are you most excited about in 2024? It's going to be the first one and the big one. It's going out to the Badlands because it's really our first big national park that we're going to. So we're pretty excited about that. And then we've tacked on a few days when we get back to head up to another Wisconsin state park. So it's going to be the longest trip we've taken, continuous out uh, with our Yeah, going to push the RV to the limits. Yeah, there and ourselves, right? So, yeah. So that's the one I'm most excited about is is heading out west to the the Badlands and right. everything in between. Easy enough. So, my question is from my friend Alan and he was saying when the are you going to reveal your mystery army? It's really frustrating because I haven't told him. He's been asking me. He's trying to trick me and stuff. And to be fair, I also wanted to know this and I asked you before the show <laughs> and, and, and I, you said I politely decline. This is my Q&A question. (laughs) Because I'm planning on making this my holy havoc army, I'm probably going to hold off until I know that I'm signed up. Myself and my teammate are signed up. And because, you know, they're private and there's public signups. And the public signups are, I think, May 1st, right? Early May. Everybody will know what the mystery army is in early May. So a couple months. I might actually have some models painted that I would I'll post by then and that kind of thing. So yeah, so we'll find out soon enough, friends. Yeah, perfect. All right, with that, episode 140. The next one is to be determined. I think another couple of weeks we'll figure out what we're doing. Another week or two, uh, what's going on, and then 141 will probably be our Acon review since that's that time frame. It's that would uh, make sense. Yeah. So I think that's the plan for the next couple. And again, we'll figure out next episode like we always do. We'll have plenty to talk about, as we always do. Brendan, thank you for coming around on a Sunday morning again. This was kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like it's normal. Been a little but... bit, but yeah. 
And as always, listeners, thank you for stopping by. We appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time to hang out with us and listen to our craziness. So everybody, stay healthy, stay safe, and do not forget shenanigans because life is better when you are up to something. Bye! This is the end.